is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. What's going on? Andrew Hustler-Patterson with you. A lot to get to today coming off last night's, well, depressing loss to the Vancouver Canucks on home ice at Canada Life Centre. Jets losing streak at six. Two more games to go before the All-Star break. Team off to St. Louis this afternoon to get ready for a 2 p.m. matinee tomorrow. And then they'll finish it up with a uh, game against the Philadelphia Flyers on Tuesday before a few days off. And then that meat grinder of a rescheduled February for all the games that were were missed from the last five to six weeks. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus. We've got a great show today. Um, We're going to talk a lot of Jets. Brandon Rewicki is going to pop by. He had a great episode of Skates and Plates coming out of last night's game. We'll get Rue's thoughts on what the heck is going on with this hockey team? Can it be salvaged this season and where they go from here? Uh, and then a fired up Ken Weeb, Weeb's world himself, will join me for uh, more on the plate of the Winnipeg Jets today. Welcome to everybody in chat. Get the hot takes going. We'll have plenty of time to get to those as well over the course of the program. And um, then we'll step away before the end of the program. We'll get ready for the two big championship games in the AFC and NFC on the weekend with Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Get the latest from around the league in the offseason for the teams that aren't participating from Lee as well. And we'll finish it off with another world-famous WST Marble Race with some great prizes from uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk and our great sponsors, Canadian Club. Speaking of our sponsors, thanks to all of them that make this show happen each and every day, including Canadian Club Whiskey, Little Brown Jug Brewing, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, our great friends over at Cool Bet Canada, Not Auto Corp, Royal Sports, Manitoba Battery, Culligan Water, Vita Health Fresh Market, and of course, F Apparel. Vita Health, they'll tell you more about it, but Customer Appreciation Day, great deals today, uh, and today only at all seven locations. Uh, let's fire it up. We welcome everyone in joining us on uh, the live chat, on the live YouTube broadcast. And if you're listening on the podcast, thanks for making Winnipeg Sports Talk a part of your day. If you do have the opportunity, you give us a five-star rating and a little comment on Apple iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's always greatly appreciated. And for those of you that are with us here on YouTube, make sure you press that red subscribe button and uh, join us Monday to Fridays, 1 o'clock here on WST. Let's get this going. A lot to unpack from last night. Remo, what's up? How are you? Uh, I'm trying to keep it together here after last <laughs> night's game. Uh, I think we should thank uh, the province of Manitoba for listening, for, uh, sorry, limiting the arena had only 250 fans because <laughs> if there were more people in there, I think there would have been loud boos and uh, a lot of people, I don't, I don't think you can demand a refund, but uh, I think people are feeling thankful that they saved some money not having to watch that. And um, I've heard terms like uh, low point of the season. Uh, you know, I mean, they're on another losing streak. I mean, the stuff coming out of today's Low point of the practice. season. Are you just searching for a headline, Remus? No, I'm not. We can we can get into that. But, uh, I mean, I don't know where the Jets go from here. It's really hard to find any positives from last night's game. I guess you can say the standing ovation for Adam Lowry's 500th career game. I mean, reflecting on how far he's come. Kind of nice family moment with his dad behind the bench and his mom in the stands. And, 
I mean, got it off to a nice start with Johnny Kovacevic. Johnny Kovacevic taking the uh, solo lap. No bucket, no bucket. Hus, they hit it from him. That's, I don't know <laughs> if that's, you know, the safest move, but uh, actually mishandled uh, the first puck too. They showed it, but it was nice that his, his family was in attendance too. I thought that was pretty cool because, you know, a bunch of guys had debuts last year and maybe didn't, aren't able to have their uh, family in, but cool to well, see. I, I, yeah. I did. I mean, listen, it was great for the family to be there and all that, but I mean, I can't be the only one that was thinking in the third period, what a brutal game to make your national hockey league debut. I mean, listen, the goal is to get to the NHL and you know, hockey DB is going to say Johnny Kovacevic one game played in the NHL, but man, for your first game to be played in front of a near empty building in a performance like that, as the team's season slips away, um, you know, I've used the word depressing a couple times mm -hmm. in a tweet last night, as well as a start. I mean, that is really what it was, I think, for the fans, certainly. But man, also for the players, I mean, a real dejected Captain Blake Wheeler after the game. I, well, I shouldn't say dejected. I mean, no one happy when you, you lose the way that, you know, the, the team did yesterday. Um, and, you know, we said going into it, I mean, that was as close to a must-win um, situation for the Winnipeg Jets as you could have at this point in the season. And, um, you know, it, it didn't start off well. And that third goal that got in, the JT Miller hat-trick goal that got through the five-hole was, uh, was a killer. And, um, you know, another quick power play early in the third to make it 4-1. And, and that was it. And maybe the most concerning part of it, because, you know, things will happen goals will go in was just the 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 level of resignation it seemed that there was of the winnipeg jets of where they were at last night there was not a ton of fight back in, in the club and i mean it was just an incredibly disappointing night for this team that absolutely desperately needed two points and uh uh in just about every aspect of the game they weren't good enough and I mean, there's a real lack of, uh, I mean, this team's almost flatlined right now. I mean, you talk about, you know, emotion and playing with spirit. A lot of that spirit's gone from the Winnipeg Jets. And you can break down X's and O's and talk about, you know, this play happened or this guy made a mistake or he should have had that save. Collectively, as a group right now, um, you know, the team just looks somewhat listless. And um, it's, you know, it is. it might be as disappointed, I think, as, most fans have been at any point since the team came from Atlanta because of the expectations going into this season. Uh, and I would say that goes right up to the top of the food chain with uh, with Mark Chipman and ownership. I mean, this team's spending to the cap into LTIR. And really, since that 9-3-3 and three start at the top of the year, they've been amongst the worst teams in the National Hockey League. And uh, frankly, I think to all parties involved, it just simply isn't acceptable. And uh, Two games until the All-Star break, a big February. But, I mean, you want to have those games mean something. And it's as crazy as it sounds, Reem. Um, you know, if this team doesn't immediately get on a pretty significant winning streak, a real strong stretch of putting up results and stacking up two points, um, you know, we're going to get to the month of March. And this conversation is going to be all about the trade deadline and who's going and what can Kevin Sheveldayoff manage to salvage from some of their assets on the club. Yeah, March 21, the trade deadline, I guess we're on watch. I mean, yesterday I look at Dom's projections at The Athletic, and I, he's a guy I really respect uh, in terms of uh, you know, his, his um, model. And yesterday, I mean, before the game, the Jets had, what, an 80% chance of missing the playoffs? Right now he has them at 88% to miss the playoffs, uh, projected standings. And I think I kind of agree, I mean, I'm trying to be optimistic here, being okay, you need to turn it around, you need to turn it around. But if you can't win 
against this Vancouver team who's one of the few teams that's below you in the standings. I mean, not only can't win, I mean, I don't really think that the, we haven't really seen the effort uh, that we know this team is capable of, and we haven't seen it for a long time. And I mean, I, I joked, I mean, I said to you, okay, we're thinking about the NHL draft in the summer. Well, the, I was joke. I said to you, the Jets might not even have a first round pick. The question might be now, how many first round picks <laughs> are they going to have? And how, and how high are they going to be? Um, because this is, I mean, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know what the team does. You thought you were going to be a contender. You're spending to the cap. And I know we've been laughing about the Oilers this, you know, for weeks now. Not anymore. And uh, maybe we should be focusing on what's going on here. And you talk about Blake Wheeler's comments after the game. He seemed a bit um, salty, as he should be, um, you know, being asked about um, if this was a low, you know, asking by Sean Reynolds, if this is a low point, I have it. If you want to get get to this, yeah, yeah, for sure. Show that up to folks that missed some of the post game. And this was, hey, you know, credit to the captain for stepping up. I mean, no one wanted to answer questions after that game. Um, And as he's done pretty much consistently since he uh, had the C put on his chest, um, you know, when things have gone off the rails for the Winnipeg Jets, Blake Wheeler has been there. Uh, It doesn't make it fun, though, and uh, it doesn't make the answers any easier to uh, to get out. Here's a a little bit of back and forth with our uh, pal Sean Reynolds last night post game. Does that game feel like a season low? You're looking for a headline, Sean. Would you, Blake, describe this group as fragile? Would that be fair? That when things maybe start to go south, it sort of snowballs a bit? I would say that this team has dealt with the most adversity of any team I've played on in 14 years, so I, I would actually completely say the opposite about this group. Uh, yeah, wins and losses aren't going our way right now, but uh, we've dealt with a lot of a lot, you know, a lot. So uh, we can, you know, we can go through a list of the, and those would be labeled excuses. And I'm not in a real big hurry to start using excuses, but um, fragile is not a word I would use to describe this group. We've uh, we've had to deal with a lot this year. All right, so there's the captain. Um, and listen, you're not able to to make sense. There's not really anything I think that Blake Wheeler could have said other than maybe flipping a table and losing it there, which probably happened inside the dressing room. I certainly know he wasn't too pleased on the ice last night in the third period, the way things uh, fell apart, especially after that third goal. Um, now, I mean, want to talk about the adversity. I mean, yeah, I guess for sure they have been. So is every other team in the National Hockey League. And unfortunately, they're handling it. Um, you know, in a in a fashion that, you know, has produced two points in the last six games and is seeing their playoff hopes dwindling by the day. Um, as far as Sean goes, I mean, I thought that was a completely fair question. And uh, listen, I get it. I mean, like, you know, what, what are you supposed to say? Uh, is it the low point? Well, yeah, it probably is. But, you know, the way we've seen, we might have said that after the Pittsburgh game or after the Florida game. There always could be a lower point. The bottom line is this team needs to figure it to figure it out um, and get back going in the right direction before this season is is completely lost. And I know one bird said I said that last week. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, this we haven't really changed the topic on this program for about two weeks because they haven't won a damn game since they were in Detroit two Thursdays ago. Um, but the time's ticking. And I mean, you know, we just mentioned what those numbers were as far as the the the, the playoff chances for the club um like last night's game absolutely devastating to a team that was chasing you was in the mix 
And of course, at the same time, other teams are playing three-point games and everyone's getting points except the Winnipeg Jets. And that's why they're in the predicament that they are right now. Um, needless to say, we're going to have a ton of Jets talk coming up. Rowicki's going to join us in just a few minutes. Uh, but Remo, I do want to talk about the uh, the positive of last night in that as depressing as that Jets game was, um, and it doesn't look like we're going to be talking about the Stanley Cup in Winnipeg anytime soon. I think we're going to be talking about the World Cup from coast to coast very soon. Uh, how about that performance by our Canadian men's soccer team? Big 2 nothing win in Honduras. Staying on top of the CONCACAF group stage. Two amazing goals last night by our Canadians who did it without Alfonso Davies who, if you haven't seen it, was streaming himself, watching on Twitch, uh, and being there supporting his team. Uh, as you know, as, as ugly as the result was for the Winnipeg Jets and how crummy everyone was feeling after the hockey game, if you were uh, doing up the two TVs, the, uh, the soccer game certainly, I think, got people coast-to-coast fired up. What a great story our men's national team is. He said, Maldonado and David scored, Huss. But, you know, on Sunday, both get the game. Canada game is on the same time as the Chiefs game. What are you going to do? How are you going to work that out? I mean, they basically start at the exact same time. Um, you know, I don't know whether I'm just going to PVR the soccer and just focus in on the Chiefs. I mean, it's the game to go to the Super Bowl. I am going to, well, we'll, t- we'll get the cool bet lines. We did talk about it a little bit on the lock shop earlier today. By the way, new lock shop out, 17-3 and three against the spread in the playoffs. You're going to want to check that out. If you're on the podcast, search lock shop, give us a sub and check out the uh, latest episode with my friends and Dustin Nielsen. But we will talk about that later on in the cool bet lines. Um, the Tejon Buchanan goal right off the bat. I don't know, maybe that was technically an own goal because it went off the head of the Honduran defenders. Um, was huge for the team to get one a goal up early. Um, and then, my God, Remo, that Jonathan David goal, the perfect finish over the goaltender on that long pass to give Canada the second goal and the cushion going into those final few minutes. Um, just phenomenal. We've talked so much about Alfonso Davies, but there are some other real star players on our Canadian squad. And the guys that we were all looking at last night to perform in the absence of Davies, David and Buchanan both came up huge for the red and white. The goaltending, Glenn Borjan, our goalie, um, and Dom Zappia mentioning the save just before David's goal um, was huge. I mean, if that goes in, it's 1-1. It's a completely different game. And one point in that game, as opposed to the three points that Canada got, significantly changes their spot. You know, they're still in a great spot. I mean, even if they got the one point last night. Uh, but they're on top of the table right now. They've got five points on Panama. Uh, who's in the fourth spot. And just for people that maybe are unfamiliar, the top three teams in the group are automatically qualified for the World Cup. The team that finishes in fourth goes to a last chance qualifying tournament. But the goal right now for Canada, Remus, and I can't believe I'm saying this, the goal for Canada right now is no longer to be one of the top three teams. I mean, they put themselves in a position that Canada, for the first time ever, could actually win CONCACAF and be the first place representative from the team going into the World Cup and tell you what I didn't think that there would ever be a moment in my lifetime that I'd be saying that about our Canadian men's team yeah it's funny we talked earlier this week about tennis and golf how many Canadians are in those sports you know performing well and growing up I remember no Canadians and um, I mean it was just Mike, pretty much Mike Weir and that was it it was like amazing that Mike Weir was even on the tour let alone <laughs> uh, before he won the Masters 
And the tennis, I mean, nobody now. There's so many. And as you said, Canada, uh, I mean, not only do they have, um, you know, have a team. I mean, they have some of the best players in the world. And you know, the one, Alfonso Davies, as you said, wasn't even playing yesterday. But everyone else picked up the slack. So winning 2 nothing against Honduras. Grudge match, rivalry game against USA. I can't wait to see all the tweets from Americans because they're trying to get into the World Cup too, Huss. And it just hasn't been going well for them the last couple of years. Um, very exciting. And I will, you know, the World Cup, I, I don't know. My interest has been kind of waning the last couple of years. I don't really have a team to root for, but um, if Canada's in, well, I'll have to go pick up a pick up a jersey, give me some merch from Royal Sports. I'm ready to go. I'll wave a flag, guys. I'm telling you right now. I mean, get in on this. If if you've been waiting to sort of like, oh, I've heard you guys talking about it. Maybe I'll check in. Now's the time to go all in. Like we are not a hundred percent, but I mean, I'm here to tell you. I think Canada's going to be in the World Cup, and if Canada's in the World Cup for the first time since 1986. It is going to be something, especially with all these incredible young players and the personalities on this team. Um, it, it's going to be something that takes over the entire country. I, I'm very confident of that. This is a sea change for the popularity of this sport amongst common and average sports fans right now. And, uh, and it is fun to be watching each and every game and really feeling a part of it. There's still work to go Sunday afternoon against the United States in Hamilton. It's going to be cold. Um, and really a draw in that game would be a great result for Canada because they put themselves in such an enviable position at the top of the table. So well done and thank you to our Canadian men's national team because um, that was a, a great thing to focus on and be happy about considering how disappointing and frankly depressing that game was last night at Canada Life Centre. Yeah. Um, remote, just before, we're going to get to Brandon Wiki in just a sec. Um, but back to the Jets, because I do want to sort of preface the, these things before we get to Brandon and Ken to talk about it all. Um, interesting practice uh, today with the team getting on the ice before heading to St. Louis. And uh, man, it comes in bunches. Another defenseman down. Nate Beaulieu is now out with a lower body injury. He will not play on the road trip. They've said Josh Morrissey, and this is from Scott Billick, our pal from the Winnipeg Sun, who's put this out. Morrissey could be a possibility for Tuesday in Philly, but won't play tomorrow. So um, it sounds like Declan Chisholm, who we thought might have just been a one and done, got a chance to come into the lineup, perform well. The last time the Jets won a game, which was two weeks ago against the Detroit Red Wings. Um, so that's the information on you know what's happening with the club right now. And it looks like Lean Gavanka uh, was paired with Dylan DeMello in practice today, while Chisholm was paired with Kovacevic. Um, and, you know, Billick said likely telling who plays tomorrow. DeMello will not play and was still in a yellow contact jersey. So kind of likely that Leon Gavanka might be that extra player. Uh, but how's this for a quote? And hopefully we'll get this audio uh, or at least talk to Ken about it later on. Mark Shifley was asked if the NHL Jets have an identity. The answer, probably not. Uh, wow, that's that's... <laughs> It's not really inspiring a lot of confidence that this is going to get turned around anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, full credit to Shafley for honestly answering the question yeah. because a lot of times um, players don't answer questions and we get pissed off that they don't. So full credit to, to him for saying that. However, I mean, that's definitely a concerning answer and probably not one that you want to hear um, from a guy who's been a leader on this team and we've you know, kind of heard the same thing. They're trying to find their 
defensive game for a while. It hasn't, you know, they're missing some details, and I was just hearing the same thing over and over again. Um, just I'll quickly go over, you know, we did have some Jets transactions before the practice, which kind of led us to believe there would be some changes. Yeah, Gavanke, Kovacevic, and uh, Reichel to the taxi squad, and I believe those are just like cap cap moves because Kovacevic yeah. is going to be in the next game, looking like. And then Chisholm and Isomont from the Moose to the, Moose to the uh, taxi squad. And uh, Charlie Huddy out of COVID pro- protocol. Dominic Toninato out of pro- COVID protocol. Uh, Dylan DeMello practiced in a yellow jersey, as you said. And I believe those were... those. Were, oh, yeah, copped it and copped wasn't on the ice either. And Pionk, fine after the block, uh, block shot. And Pionk was... He was on the ice. Good. I mean... Yeah, that... <laughs> Imagine if Bolio and Pionk were out too. Essentially, you would just have the... Yeah, everyone wanted to see the defenseman from the Moose. How about yeah. all at the uh, same uh, time in the same uh, game? Yeah, I mean, yeah, all of... Like, there you look, if you have uh, Kovacevic, Hainala, and Chisholm, that's three of your six defensemen as the Moose. Meanwhile, with the Moose, uh, Daniel Fink tweeted, like, they only have five players on the Moose right now who are have an, also have an NHL deal. So I guess it's all, like, they've been... Someone asked in chat yesterday, well, how are Moose getting players if you know, they're all on the Jets? Uh, yeah. They're signing guys to, like, to tryouts. They're calling up. They have players uh, you know, in ECHL affiliates around Crazy around thing the is, and they just keep winning. They and just they keep, keep stacking up points. So, I mean, it's, the, it's basically the opposite of what's happening with the Winnipeg Jets. Mm-hmm. I mean, Blake Wheeler talked about all the, all the adversity that the club's in. Listen, this is happening to everybody, um, and some teams are handling it better than others. Uh, we know what's happening with the Jets right now, but can't give enough credit to the guys that are putting those Moose jerseys on. Mark Morrison, the goaltending, having Cormier, what a great story he is. Um, the Moose, of course, are back for a couple of games. Afternoon games, 2 o'clock on Saturday and Sunday. as they, uh, And then, of course, we'll prepare for a very busy month of February like the teams in the National Hockey League. Brandon Wicky's going to join us. Um, uh, before we get to that, a big shout-out to our friends over at F Apparel. Winnipeg's finest spot, <clears throat> excuse me, for custom suits for men. Winnipeg owned a full line of custom clothing for any occasion. And of course, they're uh, also the go-to spots for grads. If you have a graduate coming up this year, uh, one of the things that makes every, you know, every kid miss the last few years was the chance to do a real high school graduation. And F Apparel specializes in making one-of-a-kind looks for all Winnipeg high school graduates. If you know someone graduating this year, tell them to bring in their current high school ID to F. They'll get a free custom dress shirt and tie with any suit order. That means they can get a custom made suit, shirt, and tie for as little as $399. Uh, And of course, weddings as well, 15% off for your entire wedding group. If you buy at F Apparel, talk to Andrew and the guys down at 190 Smith Street, or check them out online at fapparel.com. Uh, big day over at Vita Health Fresh Market. I mean, you know, Vita Health, I mean, it's the go to spot for the best in supplements, groceries, and healthy alternatives in the city. Uh, they've got the incredible salads and grab and go sandwiches ready for you, the best selection of vitamins and supplements in town, and all sorts of incredible organic uh, materials, vegan foods, and of course, non-alcoholic products as well if you're doing a sober January. And today, 
If you've never been to Vita Health Fresh Market, today's the day to go because it's Customer Appreciation Day, 10% off just about every item in the store. Take advantage of the great deals today at Vita Health Fresh Market. Seven locations in Winnipeg, including the newest location out in Linden Ridge Market. And you can find out more about Vita Health and uh, all the locations online at myvita.ca. And uh, tell you what, needed uh, needed some extra hydration this morning uh, because the uh, tell you what, this hockey team's driving a lot of people to drink. I'm just going to say it right off the bat. And uh, when it comes to water services in Winnipeg, no one does it better than our friends over at Culligan Water, celebrating 65 years as a family-owned business here in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba and the go-to people for all things water and water services. Whether you need water softeners, filters, bottled water coolers, whole home systems, drinking water systems, citywide delivery services as well. If you need something for your business, they've got amazing commercial and industrial water products and solutions. If it's water, the good folks over at Culligan Water have you covered. Pop by and see them at 1200 Sergeant Avenue, 204-694-5180 if you want to give them a call or find out more online at drinkculligan.com. All right, let's uh, let's just talk about the Canadian men's soccer team with Brandon Rewicki for the next 20 minutes and avoid the elephant in the room. No, just kidding. Let's bring in our guy, Brandon Rewicki. Great new edition of Skates and Plates coming out of uh, last night's L to the Vancouver Canucks. Ru, what's up, man? Great to have you back on the program. Oh, happy to be back, man. I, I see that um, Winnipeg Sports Talk is doing you well because you're in the, uh, is that the Winnipeg version of the Cliff Kingsbury high-rise place you got there? <laughs> yeah, you know what? I figured we'd rearrange. You know what? It was nice to get the fireplace going, but it's the NBA jam that is really, I mean, <laughs> spend a lot of time on that afterwards, yeah. uh, after when we do it. But uh yeah, no, it's it's all it's all coming together. I figure if we're going to be here working here all the time, may as well spice it up yeah. a little bit. So uh, <laughs> shout out to the CTO for helping me out with all that. Uh, man, I don't even know where you start. Um, that was a must win game last night. I mean, you know, I realize they're not even at the halfway point in the season. But, you know, anyone that can pull out a calculator and realizing how the average of points given out per games um, you know, with this past couple of weeks, I mean, the Jets are going to need to play amongst the best teams in the National Hockey League for the better part of the rest of the season if they want to be in the mix for the second wild card spot in the West. I can't believe we're having this conversation right now before we even get to the halfway mark. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I mean, going into the year, it was more so I, I thought it was going to be a conversation. Can the Jets get a home ice advantage in the opening round? And instead, it's basically are we selling off the pieces before we get to the halfway mark? And I mean, sure, anything's possible. You know, some people point to the St. Louis Blues and their miracle run a few years ago, but what have you seen from 40 games here that would lead you to believe there's a turnaround coming, right? Like the, the Jets have not played at a high level outside of a, a game or two all season, if we're being realistic here. And last night's game, I, I think that was maybe the most sobering loss for me, Hus, just because... Me too. That might have been the nail in the coffin. Like I, I sent the tweet out earlier this morning, and it's what is it, six, seven losses in a row now. Like you said, a must-win game. The schedule gets absolutely brutal coming up here. And if you wanted to semi-realistically, realistically get back into it, it was, it was a must-win against a team that's below you in the standings. And if anything, the Canucks kind of showed that you know what, points be damned, they're in a much better spot. You know, both on the ice and 
behind the bench than the Winnipeg Jets are right now. You know what? You, you, I think it's a great choice of words and sobering. I mean, you know, during the four-game road trip, I thought at times, I thought they played, um, they certainly played hard. I mean, we realized they were up against it a lot. They had some new players in the lineup. Um, but again, I keep going back to this. That is not unique to the Winnipeg Jets this year. Everyone has been in that situation at times, and some teams way worse than the Jets have been. Um, you know, they played hard. They sort of, you know, blew that lead against Washington. Um, you know, ended up getting one point out of OT, kind of one left on the table. A couple underwhelming games against Nashville and Boston. And then came back in a game that they were up 2 nothing in the third period, had to have. And nine seconds later, it's tied and they don't get the point in OT. I mean, it's sort of Murphy's Law right now for the Winnipeg Jets. But all of that being said... These two games on home ice, Brandon, have been, um, you know, a real reality check, I think, for everyone that follows this team, as well as probably for a lot of people within the organization. Um, that, listen, Florida is a hell of a hockey team, yeah, and they come as advertised, but I can't remember a team that gained the center of the ice, the slot, created scoring chances with more ease than the Florida Panthers did against the Winnipeg Jets on Tuesday night. And it wasn't just all Florida. A lot of it was, and again, some new players, some guys making debuts, but collectively, and we're not just talking about rookie defensemen here. I mean, this team basically was wide open for business in their own end. And um, and then last night, just more uncharacteristic mistakes kind of got them behind the eight ball. But what might be the most disappointing was just the lack of energy of spirit oh. of this team like you wonder i mean in that third period it was just sort of like these guys were resigned that um that they're not going anywhere we didn't hear a lot of good things after the game and not surprised and then when you hear shifley asked today what the team's i does he have an identity and saying probably not um i know blake wheeler didn't want to get into whether it's a low point of the season but if it gets any lower than this um, we'll be doing a draft simulator every single day on this program for the next three bloody months. Well, I was going to say the the Flyers are on the schedule Tuesday. If you want to get a little bit lower, a loss to them would do the trick. You know, it's in the somebody has to get two points game. Yeah, yeah. It might be a battle of the losing streaks, 15 versus eight at that point. We'll see who comes out on top. You know, I, I think that was probably the most disappointing thing for me in the Vancouver game specifically. I mean, the Florida game, you, you nailed it. I mean, it was shocking to watch. It was like the Jets were playing a prevent defense, trying to keep the team in bounds and have them avoid going out of bounds, but you're giving them the middle of the ice, which is the most dangerous spot. And it was guys like Dylan and Pionk and a few others that were the main culprits behind it. But in the game against the Canucks, it took until it was right around the halfway mark of the third period when Adam Larry got in a fight with Luke Shen. Only emotion I saw all night. Only physicality I saw all night. Like th there was, there was so little jump and push. It was beyond flat. It was, it was one of those games a team plays that gets a coach fired. But the Jets are already onto their set. That already happened. The season. Yeah, so they did that against Buffalo in December. Yeah, they can't even. They can't even pull that card again. I, I don't think at least. And then the Shankly thing that that happened just before I came on here. I mean, I. I need to hear the question and the answer. Yeah, I, I want to make sure I get the right call. Like, I don't know if he was being sarcastic or like, I don't know. Rebo's right. Like, that's a level of honesty. It's 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 so brutally honest that I almost like it, even though it's the most damning thing I've ever heard about a hockey team. But if this isn't rock bottom, like Blake Wheeler suggests, then 
I, I just don't know where the club really goes from here with this with this collection of players. And I'm just so beyond sick and tired hearing the excuses year after year of we have this guy out. You know, we travel a lot. We have to fly all over the place. The Pittsburgh Penguins have played with an AHL team basically 90% of the past six seasons. And they make the playoffs every single year. I mean, the Capitals are always hurt. The Vegas Golden Knights have like $40 million on LTIR right now. And they see like so many other teams fight through stuff like this. And at the bare minimum, they show structure and solid team play. And the real minimum as a professional athlete, effort level. And I, I just don't see any of that from the Winnipeg Jets right now. It's beyond frustrating. I totally understand any Jets fan right now that honestly feels obligated or exhausted just to watch them play hockey. Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, I think a lot of the Remus kind of touched on this before. I mean, uh, you know, listen, I support the team. I got a pair of season tickets when, uh, you know, we weren't going to be able to go to the games. I said, hey, you know what? If there's 250 pairs, you know, I'll uh, I'll take a couple if they're going to be there. I was so thankful that my number didn't get called <laughs> to be there in the building last night. Um, and man, as I mentioned to Reem beforehand, I mean, what a what an unfortunate way and scenario to make your NHL debut in an empty building in a miserable loss with seemingly the roof caving in on the hockey club, as special as it was for Johnny Kovacevic, who I think acquitted himself quite well, to be honest with you, in his first chance in the National Hockey League. But but back to the collective issues for the team. I mean, you sort of nailed it, Brandon. I mean, th this is going to be solved or, I mean, these guys are, they're living and dying with the guys in that room right now. Um, you know, Jacques Demers or uh, Claude Julien isn't coming through the, through the door anytime soon, you know, to come in and, and turn things around. I mean, listen, it doesn't bode well for Dave Lowry's outlook as a, uh, you know, a long-term head coach, like removing the interim tag. If, this season just goes down the drain and who knows, maybe that's what the organization needs. And many people would, would, would offer that up. Um, but man, we're not even at the halfway point of the season. We'll find out what happens with getting fans back in the building. Um, you know, it might be fortunate they didn't have a full building going for these couple games right now, because I mean, the fan base is exhausted, um, is disappointed. And listen, I think a lot of the players in the room are feeling the exact same way. And, uh, you know, it's showing on the ice, but the lack of fight or pushback last night against the Canucks. I mean, this wasn't Florida. This was Vancouver. They were behind them in the standings. Um, you know, as I said, it is amazing that we are where we are right now. And, you know, it, important questions are being asked of the most important players on the team. And I thought Paul Stastny sort of pulled out his speech that he did at the end of last season during that seven game losing streak that seemingly sort of turned things around and got them ready for that big turnaround in the playoffs against the Edmonton Oilers. But other than that, I mean, I get Blake Wheeler's frustration. I think he was fair and fine with what he said yesterday. We haven't heard what Mark Shifley had to say, but there's not a lot of answers when the results and the proof is in the pudding with what's being happening on the ice. And um, that is just underwhelming in almost every aspect of the game. Yeah, well, you know, to, to be fitter, those guys you mentioned, Wheeler and Stasny have been playing pretty good for the past couple of games at least so i mean i've liked wheeler since he came back he's, I he's he good it. man he, i <laughs> i know a lot of people are or they were hopping on that train earlier on in the season when there were struggles but you got to give him credit he has plays maybe their most effective forward outside of the connor dubois perfetti line over the last several games but you know watching vancouver it's hard not to think hey that boy did the jets miss an opportunity not to go outside the organization right and find a, a head coach with i mean <laughs> 
if they really the wanted to salvage this season. Absolutely. Yeah, right. But like the Jets were looking for that fresh voice, new face behind the bench, give you that kickstart that we've seen so many teams that actually go on to win the Stanley Cup, you know, get a new coach midseason and they find a way to push through. But man, like Bruce Boudreaux would have got this team playing a lot differently than they did last night. And, and, and you watch the way the Canucks play. I mean, yeah, they're they're not going to make the playoffs either, I don't think. But they at least look dangerous. They at least look like a team that's going to be a tough out for a lot of clubs most nights. I, I think a lot of Jets fans would take that as the bare minimum right now. But you're totally right when it comes to questions being asked of the big players and the big names. And, and really, when we talk about that, it all comes down to Mark Shifley, doesn't it? I Pretty mean, it, it, it's it's hard to ignore it because... You know, Wheeler has the big cap hit, but I mean, we said there he's he's playing a bit better. And, you know, either way, you're probably stuck with that contract for the foreseeable future. Uh, I mean, Kyle Connor's not going anywhere. I can't imagine Pierre-Luc Dubois going anywhere. Mark Shifley, you know, was the guy that led this team to a couple of games from a Stanley Cup final just a few seasons ago. And it's just it really is remarkable to see not even the plateauing, but the regression in his game since then. Like, he's been nowhere close to that player. And it's gotten to the point now where he legitimately doesn't care about the defensive side of the game. And there's no accountability for it either. So it's like, I, I, why wouldn't he? He gets twenty, he gets 23 minutes a night anyways, whether he plays defense or he doesn't. So, hey, I'll go cherry pick. I'll go do a flyby here and there down low in the defensive zone. What's it going to matter? I'm going to play 23 minutes, get my points, and... I'll be happy in a couple of years, but I can try and renegotiate a big contract. I'll tell you what, it's funny you say that because, I mean, we have seen the tables turn when it comes, I mean, for a long time under Paul Maurice, it was just assumed that Mark Scheifele was going to be at 23 and a half or 24 minutes, regardless of what happened, they were going to play. Dave Lowry, to his credit, has identified the fact that the line that's driving the Winnipeg Jets right now is the Dubois, Connor, and Perfetti line. They started last night. They've been consistently playing a little bit more. I have to admit, I was really hoping that that would have brought the best out of Mark Shifley, that we would have like, like somehow light a fire under this guy that goes and we can turn into, because there's no doubt about the skill. I mean, it's the will that people are questioning sometimes on it and the commitment to doing everything to maybe retake that spot as the most important player on the team. The guy that's the coach is throwing out in the most important situations. And you know, we haven't really seen that. And, you know, listen, he's still getting some points. I think he had five points in his last five games going into last night. But it's just obvious from people that have seen him play at a much higher level, far more. I just keep going back to this term of being engaged. And yeah. um, at times, it just doesn't look like that engagement is there. And if you're, if your most important players are in that mix, what does that do for everybody else? And you know, fairly or unfairly, as the guy that Paul Maurice once famously said at one point they were going to be building a statue of uh, him outside of the, of the stadium, um, you know, with that with that prominence of the spot, with the ice time, with the responsibility, regardless of the contract, comes a lot of responsibility, and you are that leader. And it's hard to look at Scheif right now as if he is leading this team out of it. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, this I've said for a long time, I mean, this team will go. Like They need a lot of other things going, but if Mark Scheifele's not going... Um, the Winnipeg Jets aren't going anywhere. And unfortunately, that's exactly where we're at right now. Um, despite, I think, you know, that I really thought that there'd be a bump with getting Wheeler back and getting it, especially the way he's working. And we know that he cares. And this is probably killing him. 
Um, the Shifley situation is crazy. And then you add on it an absolute lack of any sort of contribution on the score sheet from anyone in the bottom six right now. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it, it, it's miserable right now in that room. Yeah, yeah, and, and the bottom six is almost a separate discussion, just just because that's more skill-related than it is necessarily, F, right? Like, I mean, Pagansky's out there flying around trying to hit everybody, but, I mean, he's not brought in to be a, a 30- or 40-point guy, right? Um, but, you know, just going back to Mark Shifley for a second, I don't know if you saw this, it was a week or two ago, but The Athletic had an article that just kind of outlined contract efficiencies or inefficiencies around the NHL, who was playing above their contract, yeah. playing below it. And Shifley for years has been one of the absolute steals across the NHL. Best value deals in the league. He is underperforming his cap hit right now with his play this season. Yeah, so just, I think the number think was about, four. I think he's getting paid 6.1 and what he's delivered by these metrics that Marat and the athletic people came up with. He's in and around 4 million. And that has is, been the exact opposite of the conversations we've had almost ever since he signed the deal. And, and that's from a guy that's a point-of-game player, essentially. Like, do you know how hard it is to be a point-of-game player and not deliver something, I don't know, six, seven, eight mil, whatever it may be, right? Like, you can make the case, and the numbers bear this out too. The eye test bears it out too as well. Uh, he might be the worst defensive forward in hockey. How, how does that happen, right? Like, to me, just a decent amount of, like you said, will or effort in the defensive zone, and you should be around average. Right. Like, I, I think at this point in his career, nobody's asking for Mark Shifley to be a Selkie candidate, but just be decent. And, and instead, you see the flybys night after night. You see him getting beat by, you know, smaller, weaker players. His positioning is off. Like, all these little things that go into making good players great players, he's just not putting the work in. And it, it, it's crazy to say this, especially because you made the, the statue comment that Paul Maurice made a few years ago, but. I think it's completely completely legitimate right now to have discussions and consider the possibility of moving Mark Shifley this offseason. I don't well, think it's I, something that happens this uh, at the trade deadline or in season, but you know what? With the holes on the blue line, with Dubois up for a big contract, with Mark Shifley's contract coming up in a few seasons, you know what? If you want to get to another level and one of your de facto leaders isn't giving it his best each and every night, I, I think it's something that has to be on the table in a, in a massive, massive way for Jets management. You know, um, and I guess it was probably in around November when I brought it up for the first time on the program. And, you know, the team was, you know, not performing well. And at that time, all the heat was on Maurice. And, you know, when, when, I, when I brought this up, it was sort of under the guise that, listen, you can complain about Maurice all you want and what's happening, but I'm pretty sure this is Maurice's team for this year. And if things flame out at the end of the season, they'll figure it out. But... He's not getting fired. So if that is the case and you're looking at what's happening with this club, what are the other things that can significantly change the team? And, you know, uh, Mark Shifley's always at, at the front of that list. And my, my, I wasn't saying, hey, you know, the Jets should just go and trade Mark yeah. Shifley. But it was an acknowledgement of what we talked about with the value of the contract, certainly perceived around the league. The fact that there was two years left on that deal, I mean, to me, that's an incredibly valuable asset that could not only bring back a number of things that could help you win hockey games, you are missing out a lot of points and a lot of what he's given, but then there's more ice time and opportunity for other guys that you know presumably would be able to get the job done. But it would be the one thing that would be a real massive, significant shakeup to the team, the core, the leadership group. I mean, it checks off all the boxes. 
and I was never suggesting that this would happen right now, but it was sort of in the guise, and really, we're sort of right back to where we were. The team struggling, the team losing to a bunch of games behind them, the team, you know, not looking like a playoff team at all. And if this team isn't a playoff team, I mean, which was the expectations from the top of the organization, I mean, they're spending to the cap, they're into LTIR, it would be the greatest disappointment in Jets 2.0 history. And if that happens, I have no doubt that things would be changed. So outside of the coach, and coach is one thing, you know, you go right there. And I mean, it, it's also the contract, the value, two seasons left, you know, what you'd be able to do. And to me, that would be the way to most significantly change what you have both on the ice, in the dressing room, around the club. And uh, again, I don't think that happens at the deadline at all. Yeah. But if this season goes the way it looks like it's going, um, I think that conversation we had in November that a lot of people thought was insane. This is the guy that's the first, you know, the, the franchise player. I think all of a sudden it became, becomes a topic that we're talking about. And it's not just here with all of us, just jet fans, you know, going back and forth, you know, it's going to be talked about the insiders and the most important person that's going to be talking about it is Kevin Sheveldayoff in that room, because, you know, we heard what he had to say after Paul Maurice left, this was a time, this was a challenge to the players. And there's a number of players, and he would be at the top of the list that I don't think has answered that challenge in the aftermath of Paul Maurice leaving and Dave Lowry taking over. No, hundred percent. And I mean, on top of that, what what other carrots could you have tangled in front of Mark Shifley to elevate his play this year? Dubois has an outstanding start to the year. I mean, back when the Olympics were still a thing, Team Canada, a yes. spot on their Olympic roster is up for grabs. He was almost written in pencil, borderline pen at that point. I mean, getting the team back to the playoffs. And then once the coach is gone, well, you know, a chance to really, you know, change the narrative and then potentially the legacy during your stint on the team. And, and none of that did the trick. So, like, I, I just don't know what would at this point. Like, I, 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 it feels like the Jets are out of options as far as trying to motivate Mark Shifley into being a much more complete player. And, you know, I, I agree with you where, you're not just moving him to move him, you know, Mark Shafley for a first round pick and away we go. It's there's the possibility, whether it's, you know, a number one defenseman, whether it's a package of, of players, picks, prospects, whatever it may be, there's the chance for you to, you know, not only significantly change the core and the leadership group, but also change the complete outlook of your team and, you know, find yourselves back into it. Potentially it doesn't have to be a rebuild. It could be, a reload and and just one move like that could completely change everything. It is getting to the point too, though, has that like I don't know how you can bring this group back again next season, right? Like just what oh. you expect Connor Hellebuck to be a Vesna level goalie all over again, right? Like you you have to do something at this point because again, this isn't a situation, even like the Maple Leafs, for example, where you know they're trying to get over the hump in the playoffs. This team can't get into the playoffs. Like you don't keep a core together that can't even get into the big dance. Well, you have to make significant moves. Yeah, I mean, especially with what the organization put out to try to, you know, patch up the perceived weaknesses, which of course was on the blue line. Um, and, and I'll just say this on on, on that just the, the Shifley topic and you know, you know, the potential of him moving. I mean, when I originally brought that up, this was, I mean, we're not talking about this season, but you know, if things keep going the way they are and it's a disappointing year and they get to that off season the potential of maximizing the value of that asset in the offseason, not to mention, you know, maybe wanting to see some significant change makes sense. I can't tell you, I mean, because of what you've just said, and again, this wouldn't be a trade that would be made with this season in mind, 
But I mean, unless this team rattles off eight wins in their next 10 games or something like that, and if we're still in the same situation towards the end of February going into March, I mean, I think that that entire timeline gets moved up. And, you know, if, if you know, if, and again, this is, you know, if Shevel Dayoff feels like, okay, maybe this is something that, you know, we need to seriously consider. Um, you know, you talk about the value of a guy with two years left on his contract. If you could get three playoffs out of Mark Shifley on a team, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this, but all of a sudden, maybe that timeline moves up and they actually consider it within the season. Um, the bottom line is, unless there's a big, big turnaround with the team particularly, but I don't think that happens without Mark Shifley doing a complete turnaround, playing a more committed game and being, you know, doing all the things that we've seen at the height of his game. Um, it's crazy to think, but those are going to be topics that I think are legitimately discussed, not just uh, half-baked conversations, uh, you know, at the bar top of guys throwing stuff at the wall. Yeah, hey, all options are on the table at this point. And, and to me, when you talk about untouchables on this team, I think you have the entire line. Connor Dubois, Perfetti, for me, you could maybe throw Nikolai Ehlers in there as well, and, and Connor Hellebuck. And other than that, I think everybody needs to be discussed by Jets management as, you know, do we need to make a move, improvement, change things out here? And, and it's funny with Connor Hellebuck, you know, the the level of play he's given the team these past couple of seasons, If any, it, it might have actually harmed this team's outlook going into this year right because he covered up a lot of warts and hey and I, I i kind of fell for it too to be honest because maybe we all thought this team was a lot closer to contention than we really realized because you know hellebuck's just been i don't know average human this year i, I wouldn't say bad but he's he just hasn't been vesna level for this team and it's tough to rely on that no matter who the goalie is year in and year out and you know maybe again it's a bit of a sobering reminder for the winnipeg jets that you need to build a team that can be successful without getting extremely high level goaltending. It would it's nice when you have it, but that should be kind of like the, you know, break in case of emergency sort of a thing. It can't be something you rely on year in and year out. Yeah, that can be what puts you over the top, but um it can't just be all about the goaltender. Um hey, listen dude, thanks so much for doing this. Um tell people where they can get skates and plates and uh, maybe uh you can just let them know what you've got waiting for them in the aftermath of last night's uh, loss to the Canucks. Yeah, I mean, uh, today's episode dropped earlier this morning. So if you wanna, if you want an angry listen, that's ready for you in <laughs> Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and then, yeah, I guess we'll come back on Tuesday. Big matchup against the vaunted Flyers coming up, and <laughs> game against the Blues on Saturday. That I guess we'll talk to. You. Oh, there you go. Thanks, Remo. There, that's skates and plates. You can find it there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that that's pretty much it. Other than that, Cliff, I'll. Uh, Make sure to tune back in for Marvels at 3 o'clock, and always a pleasure having me on. I appreciate it. Get in there, dude. Thanks so much, pal. Let's talk to. Let's do this next week. Sounds good, man. Right on. There he is, Brandon Rowicki, with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, Ken Weeb is up next. I can't wait to have Weber on. Um, I do want to give a big thanks to Manitoba Battery for their support of Winnipeg Sports Talk. Manitoba Battery remains the premier stop for all your battery needs in Winnipeg and Manitoba. Most auto automotive batteries are priced for less than $100 with Core Exchange, or they're delivered to your door anywhere in Winnipeg 
for $115 on the same day you order it, as long as you can let them know by 1.30 p.m. And hey, for all you ice fishing enthusiasts out there, I know some of you diehards were out there through the cold snap, but weather should be a little more enjoyable moving forward for all of us to enjoy some time on the frozen lake. Well, Manitoba Battery has the flasher batteries you need to keep you catching fish for the rest of the season. Go see Donnie and the gang down at Manitoba Battery for all your battery needs. They're at 1026 Logan Avenue. Give them a call at 783-8787, and you can get that delivery in if you need, and you can visit them online at manitobabattery.com. Uh, had a great time watching some of the game. Well, more of the soccer than the hockey with uh, Greg over at Royal Sports. Uh, man, they've got a lot going on this weekend. Uh, lots of Chiefs fans, Bengal fans gearing up for the big game. Rams 49ers, huge selection of NFL merchandise, along with all your bomber go-tos and Grey Cup championship merchandise. And uh, I know some of you are sour on the Jets right now, but a lot of new exciting young players coming into the lineup. Maybe one of you going to get a new jersey as one of the future players on the team. Thousands and thousands, many exclusive versions of Winnipeg Jets merchandise available over at Royal, along with their incredible hockey and skate selection, snowboards and more, and all the cool stuff over on the Kings Skate Snow and Surf side. Follow them on Insta at Royal Sports Pemina for the latest merchandise drops and deals, and pop down and see them at 750 Pemina Highway. And uh, as we get through this winter, we think of the summer, think of enjoying driving again, maybe. And uh, no better way to enjoy your time on the road than with a new vehicle. And if you're thinking about a new vehicle in 2022, start your search with our friends over at Not Auto Corp. Why not get into the car of your dreams at an incredible price with, with the help of the Not team? Uh, whether it's the uh, amazing vehicles on the lot waiting for you or talk to the experts there and they'll help source and find the vehicle of your dreams and get it here to Winnipeg for you. Stat, Not Auto Corp, Waverly and McGilvery and online at not.ca all right coming off a spirited edition of kenny and rennie last night far more spirited than the hockey game that we were all watching last night let's bring in our pal the one and only ken weeb on the program weber how are how are, how are you lots well, happy friday my friend uh, here to bring uh, the joy level up a little bit uh, in our fair province we're gonna, we're gonna talk soccer for the next half hour or what <laughs> Yes, indeed. A uh, large, large, uh, large effort on that front. But uh, we're we're here to we're here to provide a little sober second thought. But also, you know, let's let's dig right into some of the issues. I mean, uh, there are several of them right now uh, for the Winnipeg Jets. There's no doubt about that. And there's no sugarcoating it. No, there uh, there's not. This, this is no. There's no aspartame. There's no saccharin. <laughs> there's not. Uh, it's a uh, it's a sour taste right now. I mean, just first off, thoughts on last night's game and what happened to the Jets in a game you and I both agreed that was as close to a must-win situation for a Winnipeg Jets that you could possibly have in the first half of the regular season. Yeah. Yeah, I hate the terminology, to be quite frank, Huss, unless a team needs to win in order to make the playoffs or to keep their season alive. I don't like the term. I know it is used quite loosely, uh, if you will, but I also know why it's used. I mean, that was a got-to-have situation, as Michael Wilbon like, uh, likes to say on PTI. Uh, I mean, hey, you're even with the team in the standings. The other team knows that the Jets had three games in hand. And they showed the urgency required to win that hockey game and win it handily. So for me, that was probably the, the you know, the mo the thing that stood out the most. I mean, uh, it was also, you know, the buzzword for today is identity. And it, it is a fact the Jets are searching for an identity. 
and they don't seem to know what they are. They're not an offensive juggernaut, despite having uh, a lot of talent, as Mark Shifley reinforced today. They're not a defensive stalwart grouping, even though their personnel has been upgraded. Uh, and, you know, as Brandon said, and as I wrote, Connor Hellebuck is not is not playing the role of the human eraser, as my as my friend Sean Reynolds likes to say, to cover up a lot of those warts when it comes to the defensive deficiencies of the five man unit. Let me reiterate: this is not just a defense core problem. This is a five man unit issue that the Jets are struggling to work their way through. They're not a, able to outscore their mistakes, and they're not able to prevent enough of those those mistakes from ending up in the back of the net. And then for good measure yesterday, a penalty-killing unit that has been 20% more efficient under Dave Lowry needs only 17 seconds to allow two goals that were, you know, a pivotal time in the game. Yeah, the, uh, uh, I mean, then the penalty kill had been a lot better. I mean, we talked with Mike Kelly, and he sort of dig, yep. dug into a bunch of the numbers. And, you know, one of the things that had sort of turned around on both sides was special teams under Dave Lowry. Certainly wasn't the case last night. I mean, the uh, the lack of juice on the power play hurt them. And then, of course, that goal that went in right afterwards was just an absolute killer. What, what do you make of the emotional state of this team? Yeah, it's interesting, Huss. Uh, we know that Blake Wheeler bristled at the uh, term fragile, uh, and he gave his reasons for that. And you understand why. I mean, let's be honest. The last thing a captain of any NHL team, we can, we can in the media or in the fan or for the folks in the fan base can say you want honesty and everything else. But uh, if the captain of a ho- of the local hockey club is standing at a podium suggesting his team is fragile and they have no, no way out of this situation, people are jumping on top of Blake Wheeler saying, how, how can you say that? I mean, how could this be possible? I mean, and also too, I don't believe that Blake Wheeler sees the Jets as fragile. That's not his nature. He wears his heart on his sleeve. He's emotional, but his emotional baseline is not panic and it never has been. And I don't expect it will be ever and nor should it be. I mean, that that's part of leadership. I mean, do, do the Jets need to raise their emotional level? Hus, back to your original point. Yes, they do. Part of the problem for the Jets right now, and again, identity is a buzzword, but what we are not seeing from the Winnipeg Jets, they're not hard enough to play against. Dave Lowry has said he wants them to be hard to play against. He doesn't mean run other teams out of the rink, but they need to be harder to play against. And right now, they're making life far too easy on their opponent in terms of not using their speed enough, not finishing enough checks, and definitely not paying close enough attention to the detail in the defensive zone, in the neutral zone, puck management. I mean, Hus, where to start? You know, they're not scoring enough. They're not defending well enough. They're not getting enough saves. Last night's special teams were a problem. But other than that, things are going great right now, right? <laughs> right? I mean, it's just a tough time. And I mean, I understand the frustration and it, it you you understand why because the Jets had a seven game losing streak at the end of last season that they were able to work their way through but us the thing that we heard from the coach and the players at that time is that they saw a pathway through that tough stretch and they were playing better in terms of the way that was necessary to rack up victories right now I don't know that we can say that we're seeing that us right I mean, there are minute stretches in the game, but like you said, there think the ability for things to s- snowball against the Winnipeg Jets 
is very apparent right now. And I think that's why the, the term fragile was brought forward by Mike McIntyre in the post-game presser. And uh, it is interesting. I mean, we, we've seen all kinds of, you know, we're all searching for the psychology and, you know, what are guys going to say? And, you know, it started with Hellbuck admitting there was pressure. And then as the week progressed, there was Kyle Connor saying some desperation was required. Urgency is a word that gets tossed out. But what comes after that? Is it rock bottom or what comes after that in order to try to build your way out of that hole that the Jets find themselves in? It's a predicament. I mean, there are now four teams between them in that chase for a playoff spot. Oh, and guess what? The Chicago Blackhawks, a team that was supposed to be tanking, is two points behind the Winnipeg Jets right now. I mean, that that, that is a precarious situation if there ever was one for a team that viewed itself as a contender going into this year. And right now, they've been nothing more than a bubble team and a bubble team that is searching for answers. And they're not easily apparent right now, Huss. They're not easy to find. Yeah, well, uh, you know, Ken, when you, you talk about the big situation with the Winnipeg Jets, it was always about Paul Maurice. Paul Maurice is gone. Right. Dave Lowry had a little bit of a bump. They didn't play. They had tons of time to practice. And now we've seen... I mean, essentially performances that were reminiscent of the period of play heading into the departure of Paul Maurice. So naturally, things go to the leaders. I mean, yeah. Blake Wheeler, I think for my money, has been good. It's been a nice addition since he's come back from injury. Um, the top line of Connor and Dubois and Perfetti has been consistent. And Mark Shifley, for his part, actually has a few points lately, but um, you know, at times has just frankly not looked engaged. I want to talk to Sh about Shifley for a minute, sure. but I think we've got this clip. I haven't heard it yet. This was from uh, him meeting oh. the media today, I guess, after the practice uh, before the team headed to uh, to St. Louis. So, Reem, if you could, let's play that. Let's hear it, and then uh, we'll discuss. This year when you guys went through that similar uh, losing streak, uh, Paul had talked about you guys playing a defensive brand of hockey, and that was going to be the foundation you guys would build out from. Uh, what's the message this time around of how you guys, you know, see the light at the end of the tunnel? You know, I think that's what we're trying to figure out. You know, we're trying to figure out what our, um, you know, what, what is our, what is our game plan? What is our strategy? And, um, you know, what we do great as a team. I think that's, 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 that's what we're, what we're struggling with right now. And, um, you know, it's something that needs to, needs to be figured out if we're going to turn this around. Do you have an identity right now? Probably not, no. Um, you know, like I said two seconds ago, um, you know, that's what we're trying to figure out. We're trying to figure out what, uh, you know, what that is. And, you know, like I said before, it's it, it comes from within this room and we got to figure it out in this in this, in this this group of guys. So we got to lean on each other. We got to stick together and, um, and keep fighting for that. All right, so there's Mark Shifley just in the past hour or so down at the Canada Life Center after practice today. Uh, listen, I appreciate the candor. I think he's right. I mean, I don't really think they have an answer. I mean, what did you make of what Shifley has to say and and just where he is in all this being such an important player for the Winnipeg Jets, Ken? Yeah, I mean, it was certainly interesting. And it's certainly uh, the old spider senses were tingling in the ears, certainly uh, perked up when I was listening uh, to Mark Shifley, uh, you know, before I came on with you, Huss. Um, certainly interesting. I mean, uh, you know, like you said, you know, he's, he's speaking honestly. Uh, he knows that they need to find some answers. But earlier, I should also say, too, I mean, Mark also leaned on the talent that the group has and um, things of that nature. But right now, they're just not executing. I, I, I don't think it's a game plan issue, and I, I don't think the Jets coaching staff is encouraging 
uh, loose defensive zone coverage, I think that it's on the players to execute a little bit better. Uh, in in my you know my personal view, uh, in terms of Mark's play, uh, you know, obviously we we look at a couple of gaping open nets and one timers that sail high and wide, and and people are going to say, well, hey, uh, you know, when Patrick Line was here, that's an automatic goal or whatever else. And I mean, it's okay to say those things, but I mean, to me, Mark Shifley looks like a guy who's gripping his stick right now. Us, um, I think that he is not playing as confidently as we've seen in the past. Yes, he had a stretch where I think he had points in uh, eight of nine games and it was eight of ten, eight of 10. Um, engagement level, I think, is an issue at times uh, for Mark. Uh, I'm super fascinated, Huss. The big thing for me, uh, I, again, the Jets can't afford to wait and they need Mark Shifley against the St. Louis Blues, especially with what's happening on the blue line uh, and without Nikolai Ehlers. But... I want Mark Shifley is a guy who's expressed some frustration over the last couple of seasons in terms of how hard the pandemic has been on him. And he's not asking for sympathy, but what I'm very curious about Huss is how Mark Shifley comes back out of the all-star break out of the time away from the game. And Hey, I understand these guys had lots of time to practice. Um, you know, Mark's a guy who, you know, put it quite far out there that he wanted to be in the Olympics, not going to the Olympics would have been a disappointment for someone like him. I think that Mark has reached the point where he needs to get away from the game for a few days. And when he comes back, the Jets need him at his absolute best. They also need him at his absolute best on Saturday and Tuesday against the Flyers. But, I mean, outside of Connor Hellebuck, Mark Shifley has to be one of the most important and impactful players on the Winnipeg Jets roster in order for them to A, get out of it, and B, try to work themselves back into contention. And if that's not the case... I think the te- you're asking an awful lot out of, you know, Kyle Connors had an exceptional season. We know that Pierre-Luc Dubois is having a great season. Cole Perfetti is doing a nice job and he's earned his way. Blake Wheeler's come back nicely, as you said, but Mark Shifley just can't be a one-way player. That's not going to be good enough for the Winnipeg Jets. And uh, I think that, you know, he's a big part of this team and he needs to be a, not only a strong voice, he needs to back up any words with actions. And, you know, he should be the one trying to help the team get to that identity. Don't you, you know think? what? Well, a hundred percent. I mean, you know, listen, think about the Winnipeg Jets over the course of the last 10 years. When have they had their best success? And we can talk about you know, the guys that were on the blue line. All Mark Shifley at times put the team on his back in that series against the Nashville Predators. I mean, he was the guy. I mean, that was the best we've ever seen him play. Yep. And Listen, I still go back to that next season when the team was, you know, second in the league, basically when we got into the new years and then something went rotten. And, you know, at times we've seen Shife, you know, uh, glimpses of the old Mark Shifley, um, but not enough and certainly not consistently enough. And I'll go back to your point. I mean, I was incredibly high on the Jets chances going in uh, because I thought their roster was good enough, believed in the players. But Shifley might have been the key. And you mentioned it, that Olympic carrot. I mean, and knowing was what was going to be on the line for him in the first half of the season to try and make that team. And um, I mean, to be honest, anyone that watched the Winnipeg Jets through the first 30 games of the season when all that was in question, I don't think anyone was thinking that Mike Mark Shifley, essentially, if he was on the team, played himself off of the team right now. And, you know, now Dave Lowry's come in. I don't think there's any doubt who the number one line is. And it's not Mark Shifley's. And... I don't know. I mean, 
How surprised are you that we haven't seen an answer at some point from him to, you know, to raise his level of play? Because, you know, through all of these challenges that I think myself, I'll put myself in a hand up at the front of the line, thought yeah. that this would bring out the best in Mark Shifley. It certainly hasn't done that. And some would say it's going the other way, despite the fact that, you know, him showing up on the score sheet a little bit lately. I couldn't agree more, Huss. I'm shocked that we haven't seen the best version of Mark Shifley. Uh, I thought that that Olympic carrot would be something that raised his level, not just saw a steady, uh, you know, steadying of that level that was five consecutive seasons of a point-per-game player. Uh, I saw Mark Shifley as being a guy who was going to find the best version of himself, potentially challenge that 100-point mark uh, that is within reach when he is executing at that high level. But you're right, Mark Shifley has been the second best center uh, on the Winnipeg Jets this year. And it's by a fairly significant margin, Huss, right? I mean, that, that's the thing. If I had told you that Pierre-Luc Dubois was going to play at the level that he's played at, we wouldn't have thought there was any issue that the Winnipeg Jets would be in That was in the big contention. question coming in to the season. Oh, they've got right. all the pieces together, but okay, is Pierre-Luc Dubois going to have the bounce back season? Can he be that guy that rounds out that top six? Well, he's yeah. done all of that and more, and yet here we are. Yeah, and that's why I say, I wonder if getting away from, like, I wonder if an unplug for Mark Shifley will allow him to, you know, you know, just sort of decompress and come back refreshed, uh, you know, put some of those disappointments behind him and allow him to get locked in. Um, on the on the second half of the season, because the other thing we know about Mark Shifley, same as Connor Hellebuck, he's a rhythm player. When he's feeling good, making plays, skating with power and and grace, like that's his combination. You know, really good, powerful skater, but he does it gracefully. He creates offense for himself. He creates it for his line mates. You know, he can get into a groove. Right now, we haven't seen that groove as often as we're used to seeing, and you know. It's hurt the Jets. There's there's no other way around that. No one's pointing the finger at Mark Shifley and saying he's the reason the Jets are where they're at. But he's going to have to be part of the solution, Huts, because the Jets don't have any other choice. He's the kind of player that can have a massive impact on the game. Um, and, and I think he, need, he, he is going to have to take that responsibility upon himself. Um, and if he's unable to do so, Huts, I know you took a lot of heat for this position earlier on this year from some folks, if that doesn't happen in the second half of the season, Mark Shifley has to be one of the people that Kevin Sheveldayoff is considering uh, when it comes to who's involved in the core and who's not. Does well, let's not? talk about that for a second, because again, when I brought that up in November, the team was struggling and it was sort of part right. of a bigger conversation that, listen, if you're hoping that Paul Maurice is getting fired tomorrow, guess what? That's not happening. So, you know, you know, from an organizational standpoint, what are the things that would make the biggest changes? And I mean, right. let's talk about assets and value of assets. And Mark Shifley with his contract is incredibly valuable. Certainly when you look at his production over the course of it at just over $6 million a year with two years left. And the concept was that if this season goes down the drain, next off season, when they're looking at making significant changes, if we're not talking about coaching, um, you know, you're looking to bring back Dubois. You've got Connor signed long-term. You've got Ehlers signed long-term. You've got Hellebuck for a couple more years. Um, you know, do you just wait it out? And I guess basically the bottom line was, I don't think Mark Shifley is untouchable anymore, the way things right. are going and the way where we're at in, in, in the, in the term of his contract. But I'll tell you what, and I just sort of said this to Brandon, Ken, 
And I never thought, and this was never part of the original point, but to me, the way this team has played and what's happened with Paul Maurice leaving, to me, has sort of moved up that timeline. And I can't believe we're talking about it because the thought of the Jets being out of it in February was, I mean, not anything that I ever considered. But I mean, if this doesn't turn around significantly through the month of February, and we're basically talking about a team that's not making the playoffs going into March, that conversation that Kevin Sheveldayoff would have had to have and think about in the offseason might come earlier. Because I'll tell you what, just speaking of the value of an asset, if you're already considering the fact that you might be wanting to make that move in the offseason, the fact that Mark Scheifele might be able to give a team three playoff years as well as two full seasons you know, increases the value of that asset as well. And if you're already playing for next season and you think that you're going to do that, I mean, maybe it's not so crazy to think that those sort of things could be talked about before the 21st of March. And I can't believe I'm saying it right now, but this is where the Winnipeg Jets are. Yeah, Hassan. And the one thing too that I'm going to reiterate in that when it comes to that potential position, I don't think for one second the Jets and Kevin Sheveldayoff are hanging up the for sale sign and Mark Shifley is going to the the, the highest bidder no not now I, I think they're totally they want him to be a driver and be the leader that he has shown to be over the years and they want him to help the jets get things going this year and, and you know we when we talk about the window we talk about shifley hellebuck uh wheeler and the guys that expire at the end of that you know three years down the road so i don't think that position has changed but i do think that you know you have to listen to what is out there, but I expect the Jets to give Mark Shifley a chance to respond in the second half and to find a level that he has played at previously and even find an, a higher level like we had talked about uh, because he's been a very valuable player for this team for an awfully long time. And the one thing, Huss, I always caution, uh, we know that how well that Dubois has played. The biggest issue when Mark Shifley was working to take over the number one job at center ice uh, from Brian Little, who provided great years of service, but everyone was always questioning whether he was a legit and bona fide number one center or not, is that they're extremely hard to find. So, you know, I was talking with Dan Murphy yesterday about JT Miller. Well, everyone thinks that, oh, JT Miller would be this great piece as part of the retooling. Well, Huss, as soon as you trade JT Miller, if you're Patrick Alvin, what are you looking for? You're looking for JT Miller. You're looking for a guy who's a point-of-game player over 163 games, is physical, plays on the power play, is a penalty killer, uh, is you know has a bit of a mean streak, and he can score. So, I mean, same with Mark Shifley. I mean, that's a lot of offensive production to have to try and replace. Um, and you mentioned the, the cap hit. I, to me, the cap hit is much easier to absorb in the offseason for most contending teams, Huss. And I understand, I'm with you. A third playoff run would make him even more valuable. But a lot of those teams that are at the top of the food chain in the National Hockey League don't have room for a $6 million player. And because there's two more years at the end of the deal, the Jets aren't going to pay half the salary for Mark Shifley to be moved out of town if they get to the point where they consider him in a deal. So to me, it seems like more of an off-season move. But like you said, if there's a team that thinks that Mark Shifley is the answer, if they think that he can get back to the form that he showed when he had 14 goals uh, in that Stanley Cup playoffs uh, in 2018, let's see what the offers are. But uh, to me, it's much more likely that if the Jets move to seller mode, they'll be looking at, you know, what can you get for Andrew Kopp? What can you get for Paul Stastny? And sort of see from there. But 
fact that the Jets have reached this situation where they're looking at potentially if they have to make another kind of groundbreaking move to the core, that tells you what kind of desperation level where things are at us, right? I mean, everyone kind of anticipated Line would be traded based on how the situation was. No one could have seen this coming, Huss, and anyone who says they did see it coming, hmm. uh, I'm not sure you're buying what they're selling. Well, no, um, I didn't see it coming, but as I said, I also saw Mark Scheifele having a monster season because right. of the opportunity to make the Olympics and everything that you know was on the table for the club going forward, and that hasn't happened at all. Some would say at times defensively, if it's possible, he's even regressed. And, you know, and listen, let's just say that things don't improve and they don't go on. And I don't know anything that indicates to us that Mark Scheifele is going to take a week off for the All-Star break and come back as a different player and do the things we thought were going to happen when the Olympics were on the line at the beginning of the season. So if you get to the end of the year and you say, okay, the coaching stuff is done, we're going to figure out a new coach, but we figure something needs to be shaken up amongst this core that's been together I, mean, I don't think it's going to be Ehlers. I don't think it's going to be Connor. I'm pretty sure they want to sign uh, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah. Cole yeah. Perfetti is a big part of the future going forward. Blake Wheeler, uh, you know, listen, Blake Wheeler's making $8.5 million at his age. That's a more way more difficult contract to move. And if you do, doesn't bring back anything close to the haul that Shifley will. I mean, to me, like, it, like if we're talking about a big core shakeup and franchise-changing move, there's only one move, and it's Mark Shifley. I, and again, I'm not saying this is going to happen now, but at the end of this year, if it ends the way it's looking like right now, which is ultimate disappointment, and you know, for a team that's spending to the cap, I don't know how you just say, ah, you know what, we're going to give this group a mulligan and come back again. To me, all signs point to that being the most valuable asset to both bring back a return as well as significantly change the core and the leadership group that has been basically running this team through the majority of the Maurice era into Dave Lowry taking over as interim coach. Right. I mean, and the other, you know, the corollary to that is that the Jets are going to have to make a decision on the back end uh, because of the emergence of some of the young players, right? You know, that, you know, all, you know, all six of the regular six for the majority of this season um, have multiple years on their contracts. Right. And, we know there are guys pushing for work and, you know, have taken some big strides. And there are some young guys that need to have that timeline kind of expedited as well. So they're going to also have a decision on the back end in terms of who they're sticking with and who they're moving out to make room for Dylan Sandberg and Vili Hainala and, you know, who whatever else happens uh, from there on in. It, I don't want to try to stake over running the show, Hus, but let's get into Hanela right away. I know we sure. know there was a lot of anticipation going into this week. Uh, we know it went poorly for him. Several shifts into the contest um, against the Florida Panthers. I thought he did a nice job of kind of, you know, incrementally getting better maybe as the game went on. But that was not Billy Hanela's best game, nor was he expected to play at an optimal performance based on the time off that he had missed. What I liked about Hanela is that he was better in game two than he was in game one. Were there still a couple of hiccups? Yes. Is it also possible that a lot of the folks that thought Vili Hainala should be playing 20 to 22 minutes a game were a little bit premature on their own timeline? That's all. Both things can be true. But what we what we know, Hus, is that this is a guy that has some skill. He's got a lot of talent. He still needs to work on his defending. But the only way to defend and get better at defending is by defending at the NHL level and kind of going through some of those young player mistakes 
And we saw that on display this week. But like I said, I'm here to say Vili Hainala, nice job on the puck movement after some tough hiccups. Uh, and the cross-checking call on, on Pedersen is an absolute, that's a ridiculous call. He barely touched him in front of the net. But overall, I think there are signs that he went from 10 minutes and change to 12 minutes and change yesterday. That's a step forward. Uh, for folks who did not know what happened at Jets practice today, Nathan Beaulieu will be out for the next two games at least. Uh, Josh Morrissey not expected to be back uh, against the Blues. Neither is Dylan DeMello. That means Declan Chisholm, most likely, based on the pairings today, or Leon Gavanka will be in the lineup against uh, the St. Louis Blues on Saturday afternoon. I believe Billy Hainalo is with Neil Pionk, so that's going to lead to another increase in playing time. Uh, now it's, again, another opportunity to showcase and you know kind of see what he can do. Uh, Johnny Kovacevic, yes, there was a turnover. Yes, there was a great – he made a great read and didn't get the regular kind of quality shot off that he probably would have if he had been playing at the American League or if he had a few extra games of NHL experience. But the fact that he was in the right position to make that play – Tells you all you need to know about Johnny Kovacevic, who's taken the scenic route in his own words. Uh, I love that comment. It was great that his family was there to see him play. And I expect Kovacevic to be a guy that is battling to be in the mix for the third pairing or the seventh D-man job, uh, both in the short term and over the long term, because of the skill set and the package that he has in terms of being a big, strong, physical guy that can move, move the puck. Um and, you know, do some of those other things where maybe probably help the penalty kill, clear the front of the net, all those types of things. But uh, it's a great opportunity for Declan Chisholm. Uh, we know it's going to be a much more physical game than the one that he played in his debut. But, man, I mean, th- th- there's a lot of pressure on some of these young guys uh, to be performing because of the opportunity that is presented by COVID and injury right now. Speaking of pressure, um, I want to ask you about Chevy. And I know you touched on this yesterday. Yeah. First of all, I mean, if you're a fly on the wall in Sheveldayoff's office right now, I mean, what's going? What What are his? What are the conversations that he's having? Um, and you know, to your point about the defense, I mean, I I don't think for a second that they've given up on this season, and they shouldn't. I mean, there's still a lot of hockey left to be played, uh, and I know they believe in the talent in that room, and it's not out of the question that he can get on a roll and at least be playing significant, meaningful games and stay in the hunt. Um, but that being said, I mean, where they are right now, and you sort of laid it out, I mean, with the defensemen they have signed that, you know, are in the lineup if they're playing, um, you know, if you get to the point where you're wanting experience for these young players, I mean, you got to have a spot in the lineup for them. Um, you know, what do you make of the, of just of Shevel Dayoff's predicament right now, not talking about the trade deadline, but really talking about the next three weeks, uh, with this season on the verge of, uh, flatlining. Yeah, it's super interesting and fascinating and and any other adjective you want to describe it as, Huss. um, You know, these are the tough conversations. It's easy to have the debate as a fan or even as a media member to say, this is what the Jets should do. Well, guess what? There's no accountability. I'm not getting fired if I make the wrong choice. Right, Huss? I mean, that's what it basically comes down to. Uh, When you're in a high-pressure job like Kevin Sheveldayoff is, when you've been around for 11 seasons and things aren't going well, you have to make sure that you don't make a panic move. As our friend Elliot Friedman likes to say, when a team is struggling, the other GMs are not throwing life preservers. They're throwing anvils. They're doing what they can to help sink your ship. They're not here to help you out right? Nobody's gift wrapped a goaltender for Kenny Holland to try to fix the Edmonton Oilers situation. So to me, man, these are tough choices. That's why, you know, all the teams were holding their draft or scouting meetings, amateur side, pro side. Um, I mean, 
things have gotten worse, I think, since those meetings were held for the Jets. Uh, they have to have some, you know, real tough conversations about what direction they want to take. And, you know, we always talk about the windows and try to predict where the Jets are in terms of their window. But here's what I also think is so important and I think is maybe missed by some folks uh, through no fault of their own, just through circumstances. Given the situation that we're in with the pandemic, with lost revenue, us, I understand some folks are saying sell the farm, try to get into the lottery and get, uh, you know, a Shane Wright this year or even next year. So I've even seen the suggestion that, you know, tank for Connor Bedard. I'm sorry, Huss. In the economic situation that is found not only in Manitoba, but specifically in Manitoba, because that is where we live. I do not see any appetite whatsoever in the Jets considering a rebuild. Can they integrate some young players? Absolutely. They haven't had a single sellout this year as it is. You think fans are going to say sign up for a tank because they might get the first overall pick in one of the next two years? There's absolutely zero chance of that happening, nor should it be happening, whether it was empty buildings or not. Um, The Winnipeg Jets have some nice pieces, but even if you get that lottery ticket, it doesn't always work out, right? Look what happened with, with the Arizona Coyotes. That year that they tanked, they were hoping for Connor McDavid, and that didn't quite work out so well, right? So to me, I I, I don't see a rebuild. I see a retooling. Uh, could they, you know, you know, speed up the process with some of the younger D-man? Yes, but uh, the navigation of the next two months us, is critical, not only in the short term for the Winnipeg Jets, but also possibly in the long term in terms of Kevin Dayoff and and his ability to to leave his mark on this organization, I believe. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm with you. I mean, I know they're not just blowing it up and saying, well, this was a big year. Wow. What a disappointment. Everyone's gone. And, and it's an easier said than done. I mean, how many trades have even been made in the national right. hockey league this year? I mean, you don't just completely, you know, switch, you know, switch it over in a couple of weeks. And, you know, listen, this is obviously going to influence what happens at the deadline one way or the other. And, you know, I mean, listen, it wouldn't be out of the question to see something happen, you know, quickly to try to stop the bleeding and get some sort of injection into this team to change things up because of the way things are going right now. Uh, but I will tell you, um, this is absolutely condition critical. It already was going into that road yep. trip where they needed to get some points. It didn't happen. These two home losses have just uh, exacerbated the situation. Um, tell you what, this has been an awesome, awesome conversation, Kenny. Uh, I know you tweeted it out earlier, but if you missed yesterday's post game, um, a lot of great stuff with Sean and Ken. Check that out on their YouTube uh, channel. And then, uh, of course, you guys will be back at it tomorrow after uh, the 2 p.m. matinee against the St. Louis Blues. Yeah, absolutely. And also for those folks who missed it, uh, great chat with our uh, with our friend Leah Hextall about her journey uh, to become a uh, play-by-play announcer. And also to Corey Hirsch with some uh, important stuff on the mental health side of things uh, with our weekly long forum. But yeah, we'll be back at it tomorrow. Uh, we know the folks were fired up uh, after the game <laughs> yesterday, and rightfully so. And uh, we tried to keep the energy level too. up. Uh, yeah, you, I, you were I, too. I was a little mode. I I liked it. You know those double headers. You know, you know me, Huss. I don't. I'm not a big. Uh, you know, I'm not a coffee person. I'm not a Red Bull person. But uh, fueled by, uh, <laughs> I was fueled by some uh, passion yesterday for sure. We try to bring our. We try to bring our A game. I also, you know what? I heard you say this week that Steve Coolius was the most uh, energizer buddy ish. <laughs> 
uh, charged battery. So I wanted to try to get the intensity up in, in order to have us have this great conversation. I know it's a big weekend for you and uh, Chiefs fans after a nail biter last week. And uh, it should be an interesting one with uh, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. And can the defense get to Joe Burrow the way that uh, the Tennessee Titans did? And can they play better defense? Uh, should be a fascinating tilt. And then the Battle of California should be also a fun one. Uh, looking forward to you, you getting got, into it. Who you got, Rams or Rams Niners? Well, I mean, history would tell you that you should be betting on Kyle Shanahan after, uh, what is it, six in a row here? But uh, you know what? I'm going with the uh, hometown team playing in its hometown game. Uh, defining moment for Matthew Stafford coming up. And uh, I think that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is going to have a big hand. Uh, what I do not see happening is Kyle Shanahan leaving Cooper Cup open uh, for <laughs> a pair of extended gains uh, when the game is on the line. Uh, that is what I do not anticipate happening, but uh, should be a couple of fun ones uh, overall. Um, yeah, it'll, it, all the best with the cool bets. Knock them down once again, Huss, and most importantly, enjoy it, right? These are the moments yeah, that are just tremendous. Uh, the only thing that would be better was you being at Arrowhead uh, with our buddy, Raj. Well, no, what would be better would be being at the Jet Blues game tomorrow afternoon, then going to the Royal Rumble on Saturday, <laughs> on Saturday night in St. Louis, and then going to the AFC Championship game. I'm sure. sort of kicking myself for not making that happen. Uh, may you have a more fun show after tomorrow's game. I don't know if I'm going to count on it, but uh, we look forward to seeing what's going to happen tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Weaver, thanks as always. My pleasure. Have a great weekend, my friend. Take care. Uh, all right. Enjoy the games. You got it. There's Kenny Weeb, and that we are going to talk a little football with our man Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Big great Jets conversation. Thanks to everyone that's been commenting. Tons of people with us in the chat. If you wouldn't mind, hit that thumbs up button. And uh, if you're new, you haven't been around, we're talking Jets and Winnipeg sports every day here on the program. Make sure you hit that red subscribe button and join us each and every day. Hey, before we get to Hacksaw, we mentioned what a great sports weekend this is coming up. And you know what goes great with that? Uh, little brown jug why don't you pop by the uh, tap room and brewery on william avenue and pick up some of those great 1919s maybe some of the brute ipa the anniversary beer for their five-year anniversary last month or the four great varieties of little brown jug in the winter variety pack and if you don't want to leave your house no worries hit them up at littlebrownjug.ca for free delivery throughout the month of January. Little Brown Jug available at your local beer store, fine restaurants and bars throughout the city, and of course on William Avenue and online at littlebrownjug.ca. The Scotties get going tonight. Carrie Anderson and her Manitoba rink representing Canada. Mackenzie Zacharias representing Manitoba. And Tracy Fleury, who apparently tested positive for COVID today, but could return during the event potentially as early as this weekend, all representing the province. Going to be phenomenal. We'll be doing Princess Auto Curling reports throughout the tournament as uh, they're such a big sponsor of curling. And of course, Jen Jones, who's on her way to the Olympics to try to get another gold medal. Princess Auto is where you'll find the best deals and mo most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Visit them at one of two Winnipeg locations in store or shop 24-7, 365 online at Princess Auto 
auto.com. And uh, whether it's tomorrow afternoon for the uh, Jets or Sunday afternoon for the amazing football games on tap and Canada, USA and soccer, Boston Pete's is the place to go to gather with friends to watch the big game on the big screen with big sound and enjoy ice cold schooners, gourmet pizzas and those amazing Boston's wings. And uh, if you're staying at home, order for delivery, check out those great game day deals online at bostonpizza.com. All right. We've talked a lot of Jets. Let's get ready for the football on the weekend and welcome in the man himself, Lee Hacksaw Hamilton. Hacksaw, great to have you on the program. You've been involved in this game for a long, long time. Um, before we get to the matchups on the weekend, what did you think about last weekend? Four thrillers and uh, maybe the most incredible game I've ever seen, finishing it off with the Chiefs beating the Bills in incredible fashion. Yeah, nice to be with you. Uh, all honesty. There's, there's no way to describe what we saw at the end of that Buffalo game. Uh, the reality is that uh, Buffalo probably made a terrible mistake uh, with the kickoff at the end of the game uh, by giving Patrick Mahomes 13 seconds. Should have kicked it down the middle of the field, bounced it a couple of times, make him field it. That would have eaten up the clock and maybe given Mahomes one play. But what a spectacular shootout between the two quarterbacks. And you know, in the history of the NFL, we, yeah, we've had high-scoring games. Thank you, Dan Marino, and things like that. But to have that type of game, 47 million TV viewers around the country watched it. Absolutely amazing football game. Uh, I don't know if what we're going to see on Sunday can top what we just saw last Saturday, last Sunday, but those were spectacular football games. And Biggest games at the biggest time of the year, and we're not even to the Super Bowl. <laughs> you know what? I mean, yeah, the bar's been set pretty high. I don't know how it won't be anticlimactic after what we saw last week and the best weekend of football maybe ever. Uh, just before we move on, and we're going to talk about the Chiefs and the Bengals in a second, hey, I had to feel, I mean, even as a huge Chiefs fan, and I was so exhilarated, and I was on a high for three days afterwards and kept on re-watching the last two minutes, uh, I still feel for the Mafia, the Bills fans, and Josh Allen, I mean, I don't know how you play that well two weeks in a row and end up sitting at home watching these games on the couch this weekend. Yeah, I wrote in one of my columns on my website, uh, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, that it was a shame that somebody had to lose that game because that was spectacular. Uh, but, but Mahomes has, has so much firepower and so much diversity. There's just no way you can give the football back to Kansas City again. And I know sometimes it's sexy to say, well, we stopped them on the first three possessions. And my response is, yeah, what are you going to do the next six times he gets the football? Uh, because that's, that's the kind of numbers of possessions that Kansas City gets on a Sunday-by-Sunday -Sunday basis. Uh, spectacular game. It's too bad somebody had to go home a loser uh, at the end of that, that game last weekend. But uh, onward and upward, and here we go. Well, let's start off with the AFC Championship game. Um, the aforementioned Chiefs at home at Arrowhead after surviving the most incredible test you could possibly have. Welcome in the Bengals that beat them in Week 17, a costly loss for Kansas City, which ended up costing them the number one seed. Uh, but yet there they are at home taking on a Bengals team that has done amazing things offensively, Lee, but survived on the foot of their kicker and survived despite having Joe Burrow sacked nine times in the game. Um, they're not playing at home this time. They're going in to play a Chiefs team that um, seems to be peaking at the right time. Tell us about the challenge for the Bengals going into Arrowhead and, uh, you know, their incredible second-year quarterback that seems to be unfazed in even the biggest of games. 
he's taken an awful lot of sacks, but you know what? He's making plays down the field. He is trading hits for yards after catch. And, and we all know about Burrow statistics over two years. Uh, he, had, he had two games where he had 400 and 500 yards passing right at the end of the season. We all know about Jamar Chase, 18 yards per catch and all those touchdowns. We know about the other two contributors at wide receiver. Uh, I think they have to get these other guys into the rotation. We know about the tight end who's very, very productive when they throw to him. Uh, but the unsung hero to me is the kicker. Nobody knows who Evan McPherson is. Sounds like the name of a guy that sits next to you in accounting class at university. Tell you what, that rookie out of Florida has had a spectacular field goal season. Nothing seems to rattle him. And he is, he is one of the intangible reasons they're still playing. Yes, I know about Burrow to Chase, but McPherson is a dynamite kicker. Uh, so I, I think Cincinnati has a chance to hang in this game for a while. Uh, never rule the Bengals out. You go look at their schedule. Look at the road games they won, which nobody gave them a chance to win. I'm talking regular season, and now they're duplicating it and doing it again in postseason. So it's a vibrant offense. I'm concerned about their defense. I'm concerned about that secondary led by Eli Apple. I just don't know that they can hold up. The flip side of that. Patrick Mahomes, what, 528 yards offense, one playoff game, 482 yards the next playoff game. Mahomes is hitting almost 70% of his passes in the playoffs this season. And not only is he throwing to Kelsey, not only is Tyreek Hill running people ragged on crossing patterns and deep stuff, they got their third receiver, Nicole Hardman, doing things, catching ball, running the ball out of the backfield on jet sweeps. And Clyde Hilaire is now back healthy. Uh, I don't know whether they're going to get Daryl Williams, the heavy-duty running back, back healthy. But it's right now it's a team that's got multiple choices when they, they pull the lever as to who's going to get the football, capped by the quarterback, completing 70% of his passes. Flip side, uh, getting Tyron Matthew back from the concussion. He did practice yesterday, was doing a walkthrough today. That probably stabilizes their secondary a little bit. I have no doubt that Joe Burrow's got to attack him down the field. Uh, the one thing that Cincinnati has that Kansas City does not is really the heavy-duty running back, Joe Mixon. Uh, but, you know, they become a real pass-oriented team, and then they spring the run as an offshoot of what they do with the pass. So uh, I think it's going to be a fun game. You know, I said last week Tennessee was going to knock the wheels off Cinderella's carriage in Cincinnati. That didn't happen because Ryan Tannehill kept throwing interceptions in that game. I think it'll be a fun game, but I think the fact they got to play four quarters – and we know Mahomes is going to get the football for eight, nine, or ten possessions. I just think there's just too much firepower in Kansas City. And on top of that, 45 degrees at kickoff. How about that in Kansas City for the end of January? When did you ever see that? They had good weather last week. They're in a good weather this week. So I'm, I'm picking Kansas City to probably win it maybe 35, 24, something like that. I just, I just don't know that Cincinnati can stay with them possession by possession you know it's funny you mentioned the temperature i mean i was lucky enough to get to the afc championship game i guess three years ago when they played the patriots of course that was the last time we were talking about changing the overtime rules and no one cared because it was tom brady that got the ball and scored first and the chiefs brought it up and well, no one wanted to say but that game was coldly that was like about fahrenheit i want to say about 10 15 degrees um, so it'll be much better for offensive football today. Let's talk about the game that weather won't be a factor. SoFi Stadium, Rams and Niners. Well, what an amazing matchup for the NFC Championship game. When you think 
that in week 18, with two minutes left in the first half, the Niners were down 17-0 on the road and looking like they were not even going to be invited to the postseason party and the New Orleans Saints would get in. They managed to turn it around, a crazy comeback in the second half. Jimmy Garoppolo stepping up with that late touchdown. They get the win. They make the playoffs. And look who's coming to L.A. for the NFC Championship game against a team that, despite all the success that they had, has lost six straight to the 49ers. Now, the Rams are a favorite. People are thinking that it's finally their time. But um, the coaching matchup, the history between these teams, the fact that it's the third matchup of the year makes this really, really fascinating. Uh, what do you think about both of these teams coming in? Because honestly, I don't think the way either team won really gave their fan bases a ton of confidence that they're ready for prime time. Certainly not the second half of that Rams fiasco against the Bucks. Andrew, the pressure points on Sean McVay in Los Angeles are unbelievable from a media perspective. Holy cow. He's had a really good run. I think his record is, I want to say, 54 or 55 and 29 now as head coach in L.A. But, boy, the pressure points on him to break this six-game losing streak against his close friend Kyle Shanahan, just amazing. You know, when you look on paper at the depth charts and the roster, you say, holy cow. The Rams are loaded in every position, you know, whether that's the offensive front led by the 40-year-old left tackle Andrew Whitworth or whether it's Cooper Cup leads the world in pass catches and yards after catch or the reemergence of Odell Beckham or Stafford continuing to put up big numbers or Aaron Donald in the defensive front or Von Miller linebacker Jalen Ramsey at corner. You look at them on paper and you say, how could this team lose? But the one intangible because the San Francisco roster's not sexy at all. The one intangible, toughness. San Francisco will punch you in the mouth. You know, a week ago today on the Notebook segment, I told you I thought San Francisco was a team constructed to play in cold weather. And what did they do to Green Bay? They held Green Bay to 58 yards in the second half. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers at home, Lambeau Field, cold weather. 58 yards in the second half. Go think about that. Uh, San Francisco is really physical. And the Rams are going to have to man up. The Rams, although there may be a lot of glitter and all that, Rams better be prepared to punch back because they're going to get punched in the mouth. Now, that being said, this is Aaron Donald. That's a pretty good defensive front, and that's a really active group of edge rushers. They're going to come after Garoppolo. They're going to try to funnel down the run game and make it a make Garoppolo throw the football, which is not his forte. Uh, I think the Rams really play four quarters of football rather than give it away. And I, th I think the real key, because San Francisco is going to come after Stafford and try to knock him out of rhythm, is L.A. gets up on him. They get up on him 14-0. This game effectively, I think, is over because I don't think the Niners are going to be able to come back from a deficit like they did at the end of the season. On paper, it makes no sense that these two teams are in the championship game, but you add, you add Shanahan's vibrancy as a coach, how these guys respond, and how tough they are, how hard they play, how physical they are. Rams are going to have to man up. But I, I'm picking L.A. to probably win it and, you know, maybe something like 33-15. I just don't think Frisco's got enough offense. Lee, I, I have to ask you about the Rams. Um, I mean, the way they choked in Week 18 against the Niners. And the way they threw up all over themselves consistently for the final 30 minutes of that game and took what was a 24-point game to a tie before they 
had the fortune of that big pass to Cooper Cup. I mean, we haven't seen a 60-minute game from the Rams in a long time, and we've seen a lot of traits of teams that fall short of the ultimate goal. I mean, what are your takeaways for their inability in the most important games to get it done in the second half? Well, I, I've talked about it and I've written about it a lot on my website. Matthew Stafford is everything that Jared Goff was not as the Rams quarterback. But that being said, he can throw for 333 yards and he will throw down the field and he'll hit Beckham and he will hit Cup. But he can be knocked out of rhythm. You can fluster him. You knock him down enough, some of his vibrancy goes away in the pocket. And then suddenly the offense gets a little bit shorter and he's playing dump and run to get the ball out of there while he's getting hit. So I think what San Francisco does early in the game is going to dictate whether or not they can hang in this game with the firepower that the Rams have. But it is it is odd. But if you look closely at Stafford, when he's had stretches where the game has gone away from him, it's because he's getting knocked around on the pocket and there's people at his feet, etc. Uh, maybe maybe they go to a faster tempo game, maybe uh, sh- not only shotgun, but three-step drops and the ball is out. Maybe they rely on yards after catch. I will say this about the Rams. The one thing they've done in maybe the last five to six weeks, they have unwrapped everything that OBJ can be. What Odell Beckham has become to that offense is really impressive. You know, considering Cleveland screwed up two years trying to figure out who he was and how to get the ball to him and never did, Rams have done it in about a six-week span since he joined him when he got released from Cleveland. So I, I, I just think checking off all the boxes, Rams to me just have just way too much firepower, too many bullets in the gun. And I think San Francisco is going to have trouble keeping up with them this time, even if the game gets out to a 14-0 or, as you would say, a cursed 17-0 lead. <laughs> Lee Hacksaw Hamilton with us. Make sure to check out the website, LeeHacksawHamilton.com, for the latest in, uh, well, really around the world of sports. But, um, you know, amazing pulse on what's happening in the league. Lee, we've just got a couple minutes, but just before we go, um, for the 28 teams that aren't participating this week, uh, there's been a lot going on in the offseason, still a ton of vacancies, but a few being filled right now. What's the latest on the uh, coaching carousel that you're hearing from around the NFL? Well, I talked to you last Friday, there were nine coaching jobs open. Two have already been filled. Uh, Denver, a bit of a surprise in the hiring of Nathaniel Hackett, the Green Bay Packer offensive coordinator. And in Chicago, going to Indianapolis and hiring uh, their defensive coordinator, Matt Eberflus. I was really surprised at that because I thought Chicago would go for an offensive coach because they really got to get the quarterback, Justin Fields, up and running. Uh, The big storyline out here... uh, North of us, south of you, is what's going on in Las Vegas. They are meeting at this hour with Josh McDaniels of the New England Patriots. Now, I don't know if that's an in-person meeting in Vegas or whether that's a Zoom conference call, but you couple the fact that they have met a second time with Dick Ziegler, who's assistant general manager of the Patriots, and have met with him a second time in Las Vegas uh, to become their general manager. If they hire Ziegler, that means maybe Josh McDaniels is coming. And it may be that Josh McDaniels is of the opinion now's the time to do it because otherwise I get labeled as being stuck here behind Bill Belichick and who knows how long Belichick's going to coach. So that's, that's really intriguing. Uh, I was a little bit surprised by the Denver hire. Uh, I feel real bad for Eric Bieniemy. It, it just, I get the sense that he's being bypassed again. Uh, this will be the third year in a row that the Kansas City offensive coordinator has gotten interviews and not gotten jobs, but he's hardly had any interviews this time around. I thought he might be a hot guy to wind up going to Denver, and it, it didn't work that way. Uh, Houston uh, is interviewing 
uh, Kevin O'Connell, the Rams offensive coordinator. It's either it happened last night or it's happening today. O'Connell's getting some play uh, from a number of different teams, and his name has surfaced, as has Josh McCown, uh, the former quarterback. Uh, Minnesota Vikings have been a little bit behind the curve in terms of guys they're interviewing, but you look at who's available in terms of defensive assistant coaches. Uh, Todd Bowles is still out there. Uh, Leslie Frazier is still out there. Uh, Raheem Morris of the Rams is still out there. So it might be that Minnesota goes in that direction and takes a look at one of these defensive coordinators and gives them a second opportunity to coach. So it's it's been interesting. I think the dominoes are starting to fall, and they're going to fall pretty doggone quickly, maybe even during the bye week of the Super Bowl. But I, I think that the Raiders one is the one that's the most intriguing to me is, is it Josh McDaniel's time to get a, another chance at coaching in the NFL? And if it is, maybe he's linked to Ziegler, who comes in as the Raiders general manager. Well, I imagine next week will be uh, you know tons of news coming out from around the league as uh, more of these jobs get filled. Uh, and of course, we'll be two weeks away from the big game in LA um, for uh, Super Bowl 54. And we'll find out who is playing in it tonight. What do you got at the uh, site over the course of the weekend, in addition to all the uh, great NFL coverage? Uh, just there's a lot of stuff going on. I, you know, I, I watched last night, for example, and I, I've written about it on my website a little bit today. Uh, I watched the World Cup qualifier. Uh, Canada won. Uh, USA won. First is, place uh, in CONCACAF, Lee. Look way up. Well, There's Team Canada. You're just a point ahead of us, and there's still lots of games to be played, including the one in the snow and the cold in Hamilton, Ontario. What is that, Tuesday, I believe? No, Sunday. Uh, so, yeah. That, oh, Sunday. That's Sunday, same time as the AFC Championship game, so you're going to have to get a couple, uh, uh, a, a couple of TVs ready to go for that at the same time. Yeah, so women, I'll tell you what, our country south of the border here has really put its arms around the U.S. World Cup program. Uh, and, and what that new coach, uh, Greg Berhalter, has done to bring this team together uh, and the young guys that they've groomed. I mean, if you go back and look at the veteran players that are not on this active roster for this round of World Cup qualifying, it's kind of surprising. So World Cup soccer has kind of become a big thing here, obviously. Yet. You know, we've got NBA basketball and the Lakers who are perennially hurt. That's a big story in Southern California. Uh, look at your standings in the NHL. There's nothing wrong with your eyesight and there's nothing wrong with your television. Yes, the Anaheim Ducks are in second place and the LA Kings are in third place. Real surprise seasons uh, in hockey, though there is obviously more than half a season still to be played. So and we got the baseball lockout. And then the minute they unlock the door in baseball, we will have an unbelievable flurry of free agent signings. And in San Diego, where I'm based, everybody's excited because the Padres kept their roster intact and are getting all their surgically repaired pitchers back. And north of us, the Dodgers look to be in disarray. And can you believe nine months after he was removed from the roster, there's still no determination what they're going to do with pitcher Trevor Bauer. So we got baseball just around the corner once they settle uh, the lockout plus everything else we just talked about. Lee, thanks so much for doing this. Enjoy the games on the weekend and then we'll catch up before the big game in a couple of weeks. Okay, so so I am picking the Rams and I am picking Kansas City. And who's the talk show host picking? Uh, I've got the Chiefs. And I think I'm going to go with the Niners. I'm riding with the Niners, Lee. I've got him at 10 to 1 to win the NFC, so I'm not going to fade myself. I, I believe in Kyle Shanahan and uh, and even in Jimmy Garoppolo. He's 9 and 2 and he doesn't throw a touchdown pass. I don't know how that works, but he just gets it done. All right, so we'll check that off. So when we come back next Friday uh, to do the NFL notebook segment, 
please bring the IPA with you so you can pay off your bet. <laughs> you got it. Have a great one, pal. Enjoy a couple on the weekend, huh? Have a great sports weekend. Thanks, Andrew. You got it. There it is. The one and only Lee Hacksaw Hamilton to make sure to check out his site over at LeeHacksawHamilton.com. All right. We have some business to attend to. I know Jet fans have been a little down, but we're here to raise your spirits with another edition of the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race. Before we do that, a big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba, the DQ in Neverville, DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, and DQ St. Anne's now open year-round with delivery out in St. Fatale and Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. Check out the new Buffalo Chicken Tenders, which are available right now. I always go with the Ultimate Grill Burger personally, maybe mix in a blizzard. And of course, if you've got an event coming up where you'd like a DQ famous ice cream cake for it, hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. And uh, it'll be uh, nice and simple and easy to pick up real fast at any of the four Nick and Nicky DQ locations. We are going to get to the uh, Canadian Club Marble Race in just a minute. Of course, a huge thanks to our friends at Canadian Club, a uh, the premier Canadian whiskey available at your local Manitoba liquor marts and, of course, available at Ingressors Group Field as they are the official whiskey and sponsor of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, Remo, I would say, uh, and of course we've got a branded Winnipeg sports talk and Canadian club, a hoodie for the winner of today's marble race. Um, let's get Remo in here. I do want to touch on a couple things on the cool bet lines, but, um, maybe this would be a good time to quickly open up registration for the marbles. If you haven't done it already. Yeah, I haven't opened it up. Everyone's typing exclamation marbles. So if you already typed it, uh, you're not getting in. So just like, wait a sec. Like, don't jump the gun here. I know. Take we're... a chill pill. Yeah. Just wait for the uh, wait for the prompt in the chat. You will see it. I will tell you when it's ready to go. Yeah, you come will... on, come on. Don't get so excited. I and mean, we do have a couple notes from last night that we can get to. I'm really excited to talk about uh okay now it's going now you can go there we go marbles. all right there exclamation go. mark marbles guys throw them in we'll give you a couple minutes to uh mm -hmm. to complete that um uh, all right where do you want to go here remo with uh some yeah. news and notes from last night hopefully okay. not to do with the hockey game uh i've stuff to do with other hockey games um Okay, a couple things uh, number nine is now number 91 in edmonton yes. it's official Evander Kane, we'll see. He's going to suit up pretty soon. Uh, you mentioned to me he did the interview with TSN. I didn't watch it. People have told me it was interesting. Um, I kind of bought his last apology tour, and I thought he had uh, was a change guy. But, I mean, the fact is his teammates on his old team didn't want him there anymore. That's the second time this has happened. I'm not watching it, and um, I don't want to waste my time. I got really limited hours in the day. I don't believe a thing that's going to come out of his mouth. Uh, however, if he's playing with McDavid, I'm not opposed to taking him in DraftKings. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what his no sal doubt. I don't know what his salary is, and I would pick well, him up in fantasy. It's but, funny uh, on the walk yeah. shop today. We asked Chris Abbott if we could get a line and over under on Kane points for the rest of the season with Edmonton before mm -hmm. they play their first game tomorrow against Montreal. So he's talking with the bookmakers. Check that out. I'll, I'll tweet that out if we get it. Um, he of course met the media today alongside Dave Tippett and Ken Holland in Edmonton said well, most of the right things. I mean, Evander knows what he's doing when it comes to the media. I think the bottom line is there's a major question of just how sincere he is mm -hmm. considering an extended track record of uh, being a screw-up basically everywhere that he's been. Hell of a hockey player, though, and if he can get his act together, 
Um, he could be a massive addition for the Edmonton Oilers, who all of a sudden have won three games in a row after it looked like their season was over. And uh, now the biggest fire, it seems, in the NHL outside of Philly might be right here yeah. in Winnipeg. Well, speaking of the Oilers last night, I mean, McDavid scored the highlight reel goal, like taking the puck. He does this so often, takes the puck at his own, you know, the face-off dot, skates up the ice, just blows past two players, is one-on-one with the goalie, and puts in the back of the net. And atop that in the shootout, um, you know, I was never a fan of uh, Patrick Kane, you know, when he goes in and slows down to a crawl and does all the stick handle. McDavid did that by, like, going regular speed. His stick handling is, is something else. So uh, what a goal that was. But that wasn't the only highlight reel goal in the NHL Zegris? last night. Zegris, yeah. I mean, <laughs> Lee mentioned stupid? Lee mentioned the Ducks. I mean, Zegris did the flip over the net, uh, tap in, you know, from midair. But this was a full out Michigan. Uh, incredible goal by Zegris. Uh, what an exciting player. I believe he's an all-star uh, for them. So, um yeah, that was that was one other thing. A couple other we didn't touch on the Coyotes yesterday, Hus. <laughs> uh, the report of them, their new home potentially, potentially playing in a five thousand seat arena. Um, I don't buy that for a second. So uh, we'll wait and see what happens. It's more than enough for all the Coyote fans. They're, like, they're they're good. How can yeah? Well, the the biggest joke was uh, Brad Brad Marchand won Twitter yesterday saying that you know, today they can only get 5,000 when they give away 4,500. So it would be fit them just perfect. Right? I, I believe that was, the, that was the tweet. Let me pull it <laughs> where's up. Sean, where's Sean has just been on fire on social media as of late. I mm-hmm. mean, you can't stand the guy to play against him, but I'll tell you what, he's good for he's uh, so quite a bit of entertainment. A um, couple oh. other things. <laughs> Henrik Lundqvist getting his number retired tonight. Machine Gun Kelly named as the all-star game musical yeah. guest. People are are mad online on that. I mean, I have no idea. He seems popular. They want to attract uh, the TikTok type crowd. Like, yeah. sure, they'll bring I, Megan Fox with them. Yeah, It'll all I know about reviews. Yeah, I hear he's got good music, and I mean, I've never listened to him, but I know that he's friends with Pete Davidson, and yeah, he's dating Megan Fox. Sounds sounds like a good guy to me, right? I'm a big MGK guy. Big MGK yeah, guy. I know some friends who like him, so sure. I mean, I, people are mad online. People get mad online about everything. Cool. Um, here, here's the Marchand tweet. Shout out to Matt Coleman. He's a Bruins uh, journalist. He says, what do you think of the Coyotes 5,000 seat arena? And Brad Marchand says, well, the only way they get 5,000 fans at their games now is if they give away 4,500 for free. So it wouldn't change much. And I mean, earlier he had the burn on, uh, was it the Hurricanes for lowering HRR? Well done. And so I don't know how the NHL like, puts up with this repeatedly. It's insane. <laughs> um, oh yeah, we one other thing, Hus. Ty Nelson of the Brampton Battalion yesterday, he shot a puck so hard, uh, hit the crossbar, broke in half, and half of it went in the net, half of it went out. What do you think? Shouldn't have been a goal? Uh, no. <laughs> it was ruled no goal. I was originally, I was of the opinion that it should be a goal. I mean, if you do that, that's an incredible move. I mean, breaking the puck in half, you should get credited. Was it that. A big, the bigger half or the smaller half uh, that went in? However, the full puck has to cross the line. And uh, I have to agree that according to the rule, where so much we see, you know, half the puck on the line, half the puck not. In this case, it's half the puck past the line, half the puck in the corner. So uh, no goal. However, an incredible, incredible move. I think I think you should get some kind of you should get fantasy points for that at least. No, no I guess, doubt it. 
to All count right. as a shot on goal because that doesn't yeah. even count doesn't count as a shot on goal even <laughs> you get half the puck in and it's not a shot on goal it's, that's, yeah. you know what that's a great statistical question all right, uh, last call for marbles, mm-hmm. exclamation mark marbles. Uh, give you 10 seconds, just if you're just catching us at the end, make sure you're in there. Uh, and if you haven't, if you're in the marble race to be eligible to win, you have to be subscribed. So just make sure you hit that red subscribe button. And if you would be so kind, make sure you've hit that thumbs up. We're well over 300 people in the room. We've only got 182. It would be nice to get up to 200 to, uh, to start off the marble race. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait, hey, one other CFL note too. We're waiting for uh, receivers because the Bombers don't really have any of them signed. But Brian Burnham uh, extended by BC, and we thought maybe he would go somewhere else. They paid a lot of money for Whitehead, but I guess they have money, free money now that um, Michael Riley uh, retired earlier this week. So we are there's our daily CFL free agent. Notes. There it is. Any word on Milt signing with the Bombers yet? No, we'll stay I, on top of that. I'll say I posted that on our Facebook page, the video yesterday we played at the end of the show of Milt Stiegel saying him and all the old heads are going to come back. That was maybe our best, my best Facebook post on the Winnipeg Sports Talk page in months. So people want to see Milt try to make a comeback. People want to see us. Need him to get a ring. We need to see it. I'm sincerely in on that. If Milt wants to try, there's a spot here in the Bombers Forum, and let's get this guy a ring. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, there we go. We'll close off the marbles. Remo, you uh, grab everybody in and get everyone ready for the race. And while you do that, I will get into our lines for our friends at Cool Bet Canada. Um, couple things. I had a really busy day. I did about a 90-minute podcast with the Cool Bet guys, Chris Abbott, Pat Gregoire, Jake Bullen, Moss, um, that'll be up on the Cool Bet socials. So uh, just basically search Cool Bet Podcast wherever you get it. Uh, we had a whole bunch of topics, um, you know, soccer, tons of football talk, uh, even got into the curling. And of course, you still have uh, about three hours if you're watching us live on YouTube to get in and make any pre-tournament bets for the Scotties Tournament of Hearts. Tons and tons of odds up there. Um, I'll point to one particular number that really stood out to me. Um, Tracy Fleury, who entered as almost a co-favorite with Tracy Einerson, she's apparently tested positive for COVID, although there's a potential that she could be back as early as this weekend. Um, but that has really changed the odds for the Fleury squad. They're up to plus 450 to win the whole thing. Um, but the number that really stands out to me is plus 171 to finish in the top three. Now, I realize it's a little bit of a risk because we don't know exactly what her status is. And without Tracy Fleury, um, be devastating for that club. But she's there. The sound sounds like she could be returning, might miss a game or two. Um, so I think there's some great value in the Fleury rink getting into the top three. Carrie Anderson and Team Canada are the favorites, plus 168. And uh, we got into this on the, uh, on the lock shop today. Canada, even money to be the Group B winner uh, for Kerry Anderson. Definitely like that. And uh, you've got Flurry at plus 275 to be the Group A winner behind McCarville. But keep your eye out for Winnipeg's Chelsea Carey, who is the wild card number two. They're at plus 545. And of course, the Rachel Holman rink is in it. But Emma Miskew's skipping. They're at plus 315. So uh, all of the curling odds are up right now. Um, as far as in the uh, National Football League, a little bit of a line movement. Chiefs now seven and a half point favorites over the Bengals and that line holding firm at three and a half for the Rams over the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, Canada, USA on Sunday. I'm in on a draw. 
It's now plus 185 between Canada and the U.S. Canada plus 190 to win. USA plus 180 to win. What a game last night. What a win for Canada over Honduras. Still on top of the CONCACAF World Cup qualifying standings. And if you are a wrestling fan, yes, of course, we've got odds for the Royal Rumble. Women's Royal Rumble, Ronda Rousey is the favorite. I'm not even sure if she's in it, but I guess the rumors are that she'll be in and win and headline WrestleMania. And over on the men's side of things, Brock Lesnar is the favorite to win, although potentially not even in it as he's fighting Bobby Lashley earlier on. If you do think Lesnar is going to win, I would suggest maybe looking at plus 140 on Lashley to beat Lesnar earlier in tomorrow's Royal Rumble. And again, that's Saturday night, not the usual Sunday because of the NFL uh, spot. If you've never bet a cool bet before, you want to get in the wrestling, the curling, the NFL, use promo code WST on your first deposit. They'll double it up to $200 over at our friends at coolbet.com and make sure to check out the lock shop. Dustin and I have killed it in the playoffs. He's nine and one against the spread. I'm eight and two against the spread. We're going head to head on both of the games this week. So check that out. You can ride with one of us and uh, hopefully you enjoy it. And uh, may your bets cash on the weekend over at coolbet.com. All right, we're a little bit after three. So let's get down to business with today's winnipeg sports talk marble race remo how are we looking and uh what course are we doing today all right well once before we get in Hus, it, it is time for uh okay let's let's do it all right here it is <laughs> Oh, there it is. The legendary Tristan Rivers music. Shout out to Tristan for providing the musical accompaniment and amazing video along with Candace for the marble race. Remo, how many we got and where are we going? We got 143 marbles in the race. Thank you, everyone who entered. And if you haven't done it yet, hit the thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, do all the things, all of our social medias down below in the description we're closing in yeah so get on well we just hit over a thousand follows on facebook i'm proud of that been grinding those facebook streets really hard i know a lot of people hate facebook but uh go there and react to the milt stiegel video from yesterday yeah. and press like on winnipeg sports talk sports so, talk wpg on twitter instagram and uh, all the other social channels all right best time of the week we're gonna turn those frowns upside down jets fans with an exhilarating end to the week on WST with another marble race. Uh, Commissioner, you can start it off. I'm going to start off. This is Robotic Roadway. Here we go. Three. Ooh, this is a new one. I don't think we've used this one before. Yeah, I've never seen it, but I like the name. So here, they're going to go down on this Plinko thing. They're all in there. 143 marbles. One will come out victorious. Looks like we could be in for a lot of eliminations. I don't, I've never seen this one, huh? So it looks like a nice track. It certainly does. Nice start for Schmidt face. Sponge MC has been in there. Uh, I see Elliot with a nice start. Um, but again, it's always interesting when we see, whoa. Whoa, double level here. Oh, was man. there was there like a dead end for those other marbles and they have to go back? 
There's like a thing. Oh my god, there's like a jump there. They're going into that thing, and then some were going up this elevator. So there's two into paths. the funnel, into the funnel right now. Rambler, Greg Friesen's in there, Schickster, Donnie Boy, anyone's race right now as we get into the next. It looks like a free Oleg. Free Oleg. Oh my god, if free Oleg won, that would <laughs> that would be the best. <laughs> what do we have here? Evan Hunter taking first there. I think there's a big jump coming up. Val George. A lot of eliminations. Kong, Trophy Case, Val George, Kenny's Water Bottle. But we need someone to make this giant jump. Who's it going to be? What is going on? It doesn't seem like anyone. Well, there's a few guys coming over from the top. This is a... Everyone is getting bounced. This is, a, this is just a survival spot. Who can get to the next spot? Oh, Kitty <laughs> Okay, Pop. here we go. Phil Simon, Brad Woods, Kitty Pop is in. Eric... Eric Shorlison, could we have the first ever back-to-back -back winner in the history of the Winnipeg Sports Talk Marble Race? Eric the Viking is in first place right now. This would be unprecedented. But Phil Simmons in, Eric is in oh. uh, some quicksand or something like that. And out of the blue, Dan Reimer. Dan Reimer is the winner. Wow, that was definitely the craziest track I think we've ever had. We may need to go back and do a replay to see where Brent, where uh, Brent came from. Eric ended up getting in second. Probably good that you know Dan ended up winning. But Eric, if we're doing a power poll of marble players right now, you're definitely number one. We've never had someone win and then finish second the next day. Um, your final results are Dan Reimer, Eric Jorlifson, Phil Simin, Mike Ladarni, Zorbak 432, Lyndon Rachenko. What up, Lyndon? Brad Woods, Patrolman Pete for the W. By the way, Ice back in action tonight. Watch them. I think they're back at home next week. Uh, John D. and Caitlin Vonnegrad. Uh, wow, what a what a crazy course that was. Here comes Les Thompson. Mike win, Mike, not your day. We'll see you next Friday. I know you'll be there. Appreciate your support. S. Eider and D.W. Campbell for the final marble across the race. Wow, an absolute thriller. Dan Reimer with an incredible charge at the end to prevent Eric from going back-to-back, -back, Reem. That was, I thought it was going to be Eric's to win. We could have had a back-to-back -back winner, but he got stuck. And then I thought Phil was going to pass him, but he got stuck too. And then out of nowhere, Dan Reimer came over the top. Must have been the jump and uh, finished, what, more than just more than 15 seconds ahead of them. Incredible Dan, race. Uh, got Dan's some... like the RKO out of nowhere. That's where he came, and he ended up winning today's Marble Race on Royal Rumble weekend. What a way to end the week. We may have had like more eliminations than finishers. We had 143 people in the race. And 62 finishers. So that is correct. Yeah. Whoever wrote that in chat, uh, accurate. So it was, uh, that was a slaughterhouse at the beginning. <laughs> I thought Free Oleg was going to take it. I got really excited. It would have been hilarious. I actually would be pretty fired up if Free Oleg won it. Um, folks, great, great week. Uh, Dan Reimer, by the way, congratulations. Uh, hit us up with an email. Let us know what size you are. Uh, we'll have, uh, we have a couple right now, but depending on what size you are, you may need to wait a couple weeks for them to come in. We got, uh, Eric's on, uh, Eric's on order as well. Um, gang, great week. Uh, let's see if the team can get it together tomorrow and squeeze out two points somehow. Get back in the wind column tomorrow against these St. Louis Blues. 
Uh, of course, enjoy the football on the weekend, the big soccer game between Canada and USA. If you're into the Royal Rumble, I'll be watching it. We can talk about it. Hit me up on Twitter if you are. Jeff Kabilis is in. I know he'll be there for it. Uh, and then we'll be back on Monday. Recap the Jets weekend, everything going on in the National Football League. We'll have our Super Bowl matchup. And uh, we'll get ready for one final game before the All-Star break with the Jets taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. Folks, thanks so much to everyone for joining us today. All of our great sponsors. I uh, see Royal Sports with us. In on the Marble Race, Greg, good stuff. Uh, Manitoba Battery, Vita Health. Don't forget, Vita Health today, Friday, Customer Appreciation Day. If you've got any needs at Vita, great day to do it. 10% off just about everything in the store. F Apparel, Culligan Water, Cool Bet Canada, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group. A big thanks to Canadian Club for sponsoring the Marble Race and Winnipeg Sports Talk. And of course, Boston Pizza, Princess Auto, Little Brown Jug, not Autocorp. And uh, all of you for making us a part of your routine, folks. Uh, enjoy the weekend. Have a great Friday night. And uh, we'll talk to you on Monday on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Maybe we'll have a win to talk about. Who knows? Have a great one, everyone. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.